Wardcast episode 67. Go. Actually, I believe it's 87 by now. Fuck. Damn it. Go. <laughs> Damn it. Why? I've been so good. <laughs> 67. It just takes one slip up. Wordcast number three. <laughs> Stroke out and die. Uh, hello, William. Hey, Dylan. What's up? I'm good. I'm Dylan. And you're Will. That's the truth. And this more. is the show. This is so well scripted. <laughs> How's life? Uh, How's the past week been? Uh, I don't even remember it. Just I just remember the last podcast and then you sleep and then now. <laughs> you blinked and you were yeah. back here. You can never <laughs> escape. It's just a perpetual nightmare <laughs> of podcasting. <laughs> Nonstop. And I haven't played any games, so it's just like... Uh, well, you can leave now. Yeah, see ya. Since you, re- since you corrected me, now you can go. No, I watched the Far Cry 5 trailer last night. Oh, this yeah? morning? I don't know. Which one? The long one or the TV? Yeah, it's, it was like all of them together. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't you love when YouTube does that? Yeah. Where it's like, here's eight trailers of the thing you want to look at. <laughs> oh, it's just like playlist them for you. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to show Wendy a trailer for uh, Baby Driver, and I couldn't find the one I was looking at, because there's a really cool one where it starts with them like setting up the heist, uh-huh. and it's Kevin Spacey doing this long introduction about how they're going to pull off the heist, and then everyone turns to the kid, the main character, and like, are you listening? And then he like perfectly repeats it, even though he has his oh, headphones yeah. in. It looks like a cool fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, we, I'm more excited about the one with the rednecks. Oh, uh, Lo, Lo, Luckin, Logan Lucky? Maybe. Lucky Logan? I don't know. The one with... With, uh, with uh, James Bond in it? Yeah, James Bond redneck. J- redneck, swole James Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig's in it. It looks pretty cool. Wow. And he has like this t- high-pitched hillbilly <laughs> accent. He's like, now I'm going to get naked. Yeah. And he has like bleach blonde hair. And that's... uh. What Ocean's Ocean's 11, 12, 13 guy or something. Yeah. 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 So get excited. Well, I haven't been keeping up, clearly. Get excited. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Lotion. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. How awesome. is moving in the indie house? Yeah, I've been busy moving. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's good so far. Um, I'm the kind of person that just, I move all at once and I'm really frantic and ordered about it. Um. Like fr- frantic as far as speed goes, but I like I like to organize and like have everything in boxes and I like to rip the bandaid off. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I I think I think the other guys are moving a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, can I set up the kitchen or not? Let's like waiting, you know, to figure out like mm-hmm. logistically where everything should go and stuff. But so far, it's been really good. Um, the new place is nice. The location of it's nice. Are you guys going to set up cameras so that we can all watch? No. The unpacking or just <laughs> in general? Just Indie House live stream. Uh, like We're just like a, a Truman Show. Constantly on Twitch. Yeah. What is that called? Yeah, Truman Show. <laughs> in real life. A stalking? A reality show. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big we'll be, House we'll be the first Twitch reality show. Oh, nah, that'll, oh I'm sure. It'll be good. Every... Man, that Richard would really blow up then. That was the best SEO compilation of terms I've ever heard. <laughs> yep. It would be pretty cool. Are you the kind of guy that, because I'm the kind of guy. Gets nude on cam. That gets nude on cam. 
<laughs> that still has yet has lived here in this current apartment for a year and still has not unpacked some stuff. That's moment. Um, that's know, moment. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, because, like you said, it's easier than then moving to the next place because it's already <laughs> packed. No. Um. So. So. Uh. I have ADHD, so it's really hard for me to like unpack a little and then work and then unpack a little and work. Like I just can't switch. Um, so, so what I have to do is like get everything set up perfectly and like my environment has to be, you know, pristine Mm -hmm. and then I can work and I work really effectively, but like, so, so just having stuff like sort of in disarray like that, um, just doesn't really work for me. I've tried it before, um, back when I lived in like Blacksburg and stuff and I would just get like nothing done for weeks. Is that, yeah. Uh, is that in general too? Like are you kind of a clean freak, like everything has to be clean before you can um, get to work. Not, not, I mean like, cause I am not, as you can probably obviously tell to, to, a, to a point. I mean like, like if there's like a cereal bowl or something on my desk or whatever, it's fine. But like, you know, if, if, uh, um, I, I can't like if my, if my place is gross, then I feel bad and it's like distracting. Right. Um, so I have to have like a pretty. Just it, like tidy environment, not like, you know, surgically clean Spotless. or anything. Yeah. But I like to be tidy. Need to be able to build CPUs in this clean room environment. Right. ISO yeah. level seven apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of moving things, Will, how's your car? I couldn't think of a better segue. Oh, man. It's uh, it's doing great. It's just kind of <laughs> chilling out, just in, sleeping in a yeah, in, in, a, in a mechanic's place. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm sure it's getting a lot of good rest. What's up with it? I haven't been so keeping up. The timing belt. I think. I mean, I don't even. I don't know if the dudes even looked at it yet. <laughs> the <laughs> timing belt. I think broke. And in newer cars, like if the timing belt breaks, it can like wrench the valves in an engine. And that's bad news because you need to like take the engine apart to get to that to even see, I guess, if it's wrenched. I don't know. But then if you've like already taken apart an engine and like gotten replacement parts and put the engine back together, like it's almost as cheap to just get a new crappy engine mm-hmm. or like a used engine. So yeah. I don't know. I feel like the dude's Shrug just emoticon. Like, thrown it in the back of his Cause I, I went there a few weeks ago to just grab some stuff out of my car and it was like sitting in the back of his lot. <laughs> and like, I was just like, Oh God. Was it yeah. up on cinder blocks? Like have they <laughs> you, already you started? You care a lot about this. Don't yeah, you? yeah. It was pretty bad. It sucks. Yeah. Sorry. But you said it was a family friend. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the reason why. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you She's can just wait. Like, yeah. That's Who why. needs friends. Yeah, exactly. Just don't be friends with anyone. <laughs> Or just don't trust anyone your parents are friends with. That's yeah. the rule I go by. <laughs> That's a good rule. Oh, I know this guy. He's good. He's a good friend. Nope. Nope. Immediately no. <laughs> Going with this other service then. Yeah. That is a good rule of thumb. I think uh, for the most of my childhood, my uh, my dental visits were paid via haircuts since that's what my parents do. <laughs> So you got like haircut quality tooth care. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like we can fill this tooth, but we're just gonna pull it. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheaper that way. He's like, wait, am I getting two haircuts for this or just one? Because and the, I'm me, the eight year old kid. Is like, <laughs> He's like, I'm, 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 I'm debating whether or not to even put the sucky straw in your mouth right now. <laughs> Do I get a full color or what? <laughs> just the roots. <laughs> 
Yeah. Will and I were talking about this before. How family members trading services for other services. Uh, At least in my eyes, they never oh, work out that's well. That's my dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, my dad's a lawyer. So, like, he'll do stuff for free shit all the time. Yeah, but I feel like, like, like he just does like, he has this like crappy car dealer. <laughs> nice. That he like, that is like a total skis ball, right? <laughs> who um, needs a lawyer? Who needs a lawyer. <laughs> and my dad likes to drive these like, you know, kind of edgy 80s cars. He's He's got like a 740 nice. IL with like, um, with like stripes on like an orange and red stripe. It's black <laughs> and it's got racing stripes, right? Is this a cool car? Um, I, it I is have a cool, no concept oh, it's a BMW of cars. 740 IL okay. from like 1990 or something. Okay. Like old boxy BMW, but right. it's got like a big ass engine in it and it's like really fast. Um, but it's in the shop all the time. Um, <laughs> and my dad won't grow up and get a reasonable car. So, <laughs> so he, he'll do like free, you know, pro bono. I'll get you, get you out of legal trouble shit for this car dealer to like Whoa. work on his car for free. It's pretty funny. That's nice. But he always has like it's funny because it's in the shop and the guy will just give him one of his other shitty cars to drive around. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man. So like like it smells like cigarettes and Yeah, like like um uh one time I I visited Blacksburg and my dad um picked me up from somewhere in this like uh mid 90s like Jaguar and I was like oh, woo, whoa this is kind of cool where'd you get this dad is this a new car he's like no it's my car dealer's mom's car. <laughs> it's like oh that's that's nice you go to visit him once he's just driving in winnebago it's like all right the early 90s were like primo golden era for cool cars yeah yeah i love i love basically any japanese car from like 1985 to 1990 is so cool yeah i want to like nissans you, you seen like a first gen toyota mr2 uh-uh Holy shit! They're, it's it's just so cool looking. They have um, it's a mid-engine car, so the engine is behind you, like, right? Yeah. Um, but it it's like a roadster, like a Miata or something. It's like about that size. So picture like the boxiest Miata with like a mid-engine, like a huge spoiler, Ooh. and it's just like yeah, they're they're nice. gorgeous cars. Yeah. It's just like when we got concerned with like safety and aerodynamics, design went to shit. <laughs> Yeah, and then we just got all those like weird bubbly cars from like yeah. ninety two to like like everybody's driving like a grandma Buick looking car. Yeah, that sucks. There's a good uh, Vox video about why car designs went from super boxy to very curved. It's just because because CAD and computer assisted all computer assisted oh, yeah. design got way better, so they could calculate these perfect curves and angles and stuff. So it allowed them yeah. to to design those. Yeah, we can do splines now. <laughs> No way. I, I like my cars like Split I like my edge. 3D shooters. Boxy. Low poly. You want strafe the car? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I want drift stage the car. Daytona All the cars USA. in drift stage are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Daytona USA the car. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you could flip it and it's like just like flipping over a tech deck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everything I hit flips the car, but it just like flips back <laughs> over when it's done. Uh, Dan Daniel Davis, I think I think you know him. Maybe you've met. You should get him on the podcast. Yeah, you should. He'd be he'd be a, actually because he's not strictly a game person. He does game music, but he also does like he chip, chip tune and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You should get him on. He'd be a, he'd be really fun. Has he been on, at, at, at like an event before, like Magfest or anything? Uh, he was at Magfest. Yeah. Um. Uh. He's friends with Moment and I too. Okay. Um. 
But anyways, he was talking about a game idea he had on Twitter of just like uh it's a it's a realistic um like rally game like it's like group b rally from like the right. 80s and stuff except it would be designed to look like you know you were watching on a tv <laughs> from the 80s so it'd be like kind of fuzzy oh and, that'd be cool and glitched out but you'd actually be like you know driving group b rally cars realistically that'd be really cool yeah i think that would be dope I the only like stylization is that it looks like it's on like, a vhs like, what was that what was that really popular rally car game colin mccray's Colin McRae and there's dirt. I I like dirt a lot. I think the first time I played the Colin McRae one, like I was blown away because of the like the audio of like the dirt and stuff hitting the undercarriage of the car <laughs> was just like super realistic and like you know car games don't do like they're not like oh we better get the stuff hitting the undercarriage sound in there for people, but like yeah. that changed like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I I do love rally racing games a lot uh, i was just gonna say i'm a big uh, rc pro-am <laughs> that's my uh-huh. rally car racing <laughs> game of choice that's funny go ahead sam what were you gonna say no i was just saying i don't really like simi racing games that much except unless it's a rally okay. racing game and then yeah. i'm like super into it because rally cars because you know they're so small and they can just pick up and go yeah it i mean it's it's the most arcadey version of racing we have in real life yeah, I think you know with all, like the drifting and the seventies insane danger uh, indie cars though. That's when they were like, "Let them burn up, boy!" Oh, there's yeah. also a great GIF of like how Formula One cars have changed over the the I don't know eighty plus years they've been doing Formula One or however long it's been, and it's a side, it's a profile shot of the car, and then it's like a shot of the design of the wheel, and oh. you're just watching it like over the years just going rrr, rrr, rrr. it's like being extruded <laughs> out and then like compressing back down and then getting super tall and super small and like the the nose of the car gets super long and just the wheels get huge and then they get small again and then the wheels like a circle all right now it's like a ellipses and now it's like this and now it's like a weird like trapezoidal thing it's just rrr, 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 it's rrr, crazy rrr, too because like that's awesome you see like back then like the cars would be like it was like a uh, speed racer ish where you'd have like one car and it's just like that typical kind of like Formula One thing where it's like the triangle with the four wheels. And then like another car has like six wheels on it and it's just like super bulky and crazy. And it's just like, damn. <laughs> I, I hate like, I think like NASCAR is like probably pretty interesting, but like I just can't get into it because visually it's just like, yeah, like lo- like shitty bubbly luxury cars. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone's like racing like Toyota Camrys. Yeah, and they all have just like (laughs) I mean, like the logos are just like out of control. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I I I think racing is more interesting when it's like the engineers are given more. I don't know, like creative freedom or whatever. Um, because like obviously in NASCAR, it's like what's the most engineering you can do within these like tiny constraints? And I think to an engineer, that's like really interesting yeah um if you're into it but it doesn't it's it's not like it doesn't really translate well to right people that don't know <laughs> right it's not like you know solve this problem from the ground up which right. i think is more interesting i want racing to be as close to anime as possible like redline yeah if have oh you boy, seen car, cars and anime the two topics i know the most about oh dylan you need to see redline dylan Come over and watch Redline. <laughs> it's really I'm, not, I'm not a big car person. I mean, yeah, me neither. Redline, yeah, it's. I'm also not a big anime person. 
You need to see Red Line, though. All right. All right. I mean, just because it's like, I don't know if you'll like it, but it's dope. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know me. At least you can make that that much of an assessment. I don't know. It might be cool. Maybe. It's a t- it's a series? No. No. Oh, it's a movie. It's yeah. a movie. Anime yeah. series. Is it like basically Days of Thunder, the anime? Uh, uh, More like Speed Racer on crack, the anime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the Wachowski brothers speed racer on crack. Oh God. Sense eight, but speed racer. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it, movie is gnarly. Oh my God. It's so good. Like, is this like eighties anime? Like that kind of like ghost in the shell? Like it's a uh, super recent. Oh really? It's, yeah. It's like, like 2013 or something. Yeah. But it, it does like, have like kind of a old school anime aesthetic where everything's hand drawn. Did you ever see Paprika? That's another really good movie. Um, but it's by the same studio. Um, Paprika's like, like if if someone if someone's like I watch anime, they'll talk about that movie. Um, it's a good movie, but those guys got really well known for making it, and then they followed it up with Redline, which isn't narratively very interesting, but it's like just visually such a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Redline, man. Oh, why can't <laughs> racing get its shit together? Yeah. Yeah, we should we should just like go for the technology to make the drivers like really safe, and then just put them in like the most dangerous cars. Yeah, it's kind of like Evangelion, where they have like the people are in like capsules. Yeah, and it just like inflates or something when like yeah yeah. All right, thank you for car and anime talk. Thank you, yep, correspondent <laughs> Sam and Will. Uh, let's uh, let's move to something else. Have you never seen an anime you've liked? I liked Lupin the Third. Oh hell yeah, boy! All right, there we go. I've never seen that. That's okay, but I like. I, I've told you this. I like pulpy shit like that. Yeah. I, I like. I like heists. I like Indiana Jones. I like pirates. You like Tekken Concrete? Oh, what? Was that? That's a good one. Yeah, Will showed it to me. Um, Will, you probably have better synopsis of Tekken Concrete. So it's it's like these two kids that live in this like junk town, and they have like they're like a gang, but it's just like these two like adolescent children who run like this like gang. And like, there's so all these rival gangs. Anime uh, Fat Albert. And there's like, a, there's like, <laughs> there's like Yakuza that are like drilling down on them, and like these adult gangs that are kind of drilling down on them. And then like, aliens get involved. It's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. When we got to aliens, kind of, kind of ejected. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not even really like you don't know if they're aliens or not. It's just like they're not. They're like weird. This the stakes just get risen. Mm. Yeah. I just, ah. but it's cool. It's got that. It's got like a real cool, like a good, cool vibe to it. Like it's got a lot of good music. The music's all done by this IDM group Plaid, Mm -hmm. and like it's like super like drum, like chill, heavy. It's good. Mm. Yeah, it's it's nice, and there's there's like a lot of um cool like Japanese cultural. So that's the stuff that I like about anime. Yeah, is that in it. There's there's the the the, the culturalism that yeah. kind of comes in. Like um if you read Scott McCloud's book, is it the first one, Understanding Comics? Maybe he's making comics mm-hmm. or reinventing comics. It's one of them. But he talks about how uh Japanese comics are very good about sense of place. Yeah. They do these big, huge uh panels of just like a scene setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and then American comics are very much like into the action like yeah let's, let's american's start. very in media res like yeah yeah um so i like that stuff i just oh man there's just so much 
bullshit that comes with oh, yeah, yeah. Japanese like storytelling, like especially modern storytelling. Like I tried watching Akira once, and I was like, "What the fuck is going uh, maybe on you want, here?" Like, Red line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just they just pile on like all this stuff. It's like, oh, it's like Neo Tokyo, and then also like, oh, and there's alien, there's a government conspiracy, and blah 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 blah. Like with. You know, I get mad at, at Western media for, like, getting obsessed about spectacle, but it's, like, Japanese media is, like, even more obsessed about spectacle. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just, they really love monolithic me. entities in the plots. Like, everything is, everything is like, this this one guy or this, like, group of people or this, like, like, the big, like, even, like, visually, like, the big, like, explosions and stuff. Um, like, the coolest part about, like, Akira is, like, the, the, the gang, the inter-gang yeah. warfare. Yeah. Like, that's the cool part. It's, like, you should just hold a story about, like, gang violence. Right. And, like, how, you know, that's really fucked up. There's a lot of, like, early Japanese anime, like, 80s and, nine, like, early 90s anime that's about, like, kids and gangs that are just, like, put in situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good one called Venus Wars, where it's like these kids in a biker gang on Venus. They're not a biker gang; they're like a racing. Oh wow! Group, and then like there's war, and so it's like this really interesting. It's kind of like it's a very like typical like war movie kind of thing, where like these kids are going off to war, and like how their group dynamic changes, and really interesting. Do you, Dylan? Do you ever watch movies just for the? Uh visuals or just for like the action Absolutely it's, it's not. all it's all narrative it's it's first narrative um and then anything else so i, I actually built but like what about something like john wick where it's like the it's like intentionally a simple narrative but like well i haven't seen john wick okay um but people that like really like john wick they're i usually their tastes don't match up with mine so i'm right. like immediately dismissive of john wick but i like something like taken like i like taken like the first one i haven't seen any of the other ones yeah. um and that's a pretty rudimentary narrative right but i think there was this i saw that i don't know how old is how old is the first taken movie like eight years yeah it's pretty old um you know i was 17 at the time so my my tastes have probably changed since seeing that one uh i think that atomic blonde movie with charlie Theron looks pretty cool yeah and that yeah. seems like just a female john wick um I like I like the Die Hard movies. Like I like some movies. I like just sometimes I just like turning my brain off. It's mm-hmm. very it, it it gets more and more rare as time goes we on. Like grounded stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and that if, I mean, anime is not no grounded. Like I mean, t- some of the stuff is like if you watch um like have you ever heard of five centimeters per second? Mm-mm. That might be more your speed. That's like this really beautiful uh love story between these like. The, this boy and girl who meet in the 90s and like how they sort of leave and re-enter each other's lives for like it's like huge period of time i don't it's been a long time since i've seen it so the finer points escape me but it's also gorgeous it's probably the prettiest anime i've ever seen including redline yeah um because it's just full of these like you know you talk about like sense of place like these like vast sweeping shots of like the japanese countryside or like some skyline in you know kyoto or mm-hmm. you know yeah that, yeah, that might that might be more my speed. But yeah. I watched I watched Pacific Rim. Did not like Pacific Rim. Okay, yeah, so that would be an example of like dumb plot, and we're just like trying to make robots fight, and not worry yeah, about. Yeah, and the I'm just like, why? Much. What? Like, what? How does this? This doesn't like. This isn't stimulating to me. I, I and I might fin- I don't know. I might finish it, but I I went halfway through writing a Medium article about how I look at writing and mm-hmm. like media and like visual medium. So like film, TV, games, 
and it was kind of this pyramid structure of like, all right, first you establish a base of like, um, is, is this plot logical? And it doesn't have to be logical. Like it has to be like realistic fiction. Like, does it build its own set of rules and then stick to those rules? Right. Or are there mm-hmm. like a bunch of plot holes or things like that? Right. And then the next step is intellectual. Like, does it stimulate thought? Does it, does it create ideas, new ideas or like make you think about something? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I forget. There were two. There were two more steps. I forget. I know the very top one was: is it emotional? So, like emotion. So you know, you can categorize like like a bunch of base emotions. So like joy, fear, anger, mm-hmm. things like that. So fear would be like a horror movie, or joy or excitement would be something like an action or adventure movie. Oh, and the 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 second to top two is artistic. So right. does it have artistic merit? So does it look good, or does it is is do do the artistic choices of the creator match the logical and intellectual points they're trying to make? Right. So, or is it intentionally like against the grain of what they're trying to say? So if it's like a very dour and sad film, does it have like really bright, exciting colors to try to contrast the right. fact that this is an upsetting uh, piece of media? And then emotional, like I said, would be the exciting parts like, oh, that's a really cool shot or like, oh my God, look at like the Avengers are fighting or things like that right. or like the this this is crazy like this is amazing this gets my heart racing or like this is really scary this mm-hmm. makes me very happy this makes me very sad this is a very upsetting scene and i put that at the very top because that's the a very important part just like in maslow's hierarchy needs like like self-actualization right. is very important but it's the last step you get to so so is the sort of the sort of underlying idea there that like if you don't have like if if you mess up one of the the yeah, tiers you can't, beneath you, you can't, can't skip you can't get any higher and most right. and most but like, if you're not adhering to the, the like the plot structure rules or whatever, everything else fails. Yeah, right. It doesn't okay. matter. Yeah. Okay. And and there are some and there are some that like get close and don't reach it. So like I built these. I had like some comparisons of like these charts. So I had like a triangle and I would cut it up and then like there were four different colors to represent each part. And then then I would take movie posters and like overlay them on top of to show a comparison. So I did like Guardians of the Galaxy and like Guardians of the Galaxy meets the first one meets a lot of the criteria. Um, and then there's like a couple of set pieces that hit the emotional part and make it really exciting. I put Skyfall on there and I think Skyfall is an atrocious movie just from a plot construction standpoint, <laughs> but people get really excited about the, uh, the, the look and the, and the production value of it. So right. I, I kind of, I, I made that very higher in the emotional standpoint, but everything else, it kind of, it felt extremely short of. So, and that's why I would get in arguments with people about like, Oh, Skyfall is amazing. I was like, sure. It looks great. But like, here's the eight different plot holes that happen in the first act of the movie. Yeah, I don't think Skyfall is an amazing movie, but I thought it was like a fun movie. Yeah, you know, and that's I mean? like, fine. But like, so what? What the problem is I have is that a lot of consumers just kind of skip to that for, that last step. It's like, does this does this make me feel something? If so, well, good yeah. movie. That's why they're not movie reviewers, right? Yeah, you know, they're not thinking about it critically. Um, there is a really good YouTube channel you should check out called Errant Signal, mm-hmm. um, and he yeah. does. He's like, like probably the most academic, at least that I've seen, in-depth looks at different games from a literary standpoint. Um, he and he talks about there's there's one thing he he there's one review he does of Thoth, which is like a a really minimalist shooter that came out recently. Um, uh, and he talks about he sort of goes in this aside and he talks about there's he thinks there's like three separate areas of like games journalism um and or games criticism rather and one is like 
sort of like giant bomby, like consumery oriented, right? You know, um, kind of reviews. And another one is like, you know, the the more um, Mark Brown like mechanical uh, look at games and how they function on like a you know a systems level. And then there's like, you know, what he does, which is more like this like literary, um, like even if the mechanics kind of fail the game, like. Or not not fail, but like the mechanic the mechanics fail if they don't make sense in the context of the game's narrative. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the mechanics are actually taking a backseat to this to the intended story the game is trying to tell, um, in his eyes. And that's that's really cool. His his review of Oxenfree is actually really interesting. I should check it out. Yeah, you would like it. I really um, liked uh, Oxenfree. Yeah, but he he said like his his the main principle behind this is that every it's it's almost like a um, like one of those like. Uh, I don't. I forget what they're called, but it's like in a JRPG, and you have like the the stats of a character, and it's like a triangle that like is shaped differently based on like yeah, you know what I mean. Like it like, like pulls more to each each side, but it it can either be like in the middle, but it's not particularly good at any of them, or it's like you know super polarized to one and then lacking in the other. Mm-hmm. He he like kind of shows a different a bunch of different reviewers fitting his like his triangle, triangle like that and it's really interesting. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz I mean like you know, I've said before I'm I'm a big fan of Giant Bomb, but I don't think I don't think they're from a literary standpoint, they're not very well equipped to talk about games yeah. from that point. Um I think the closest they got was with Austin Walker and then he went sure. and became editor-in-chief at Waypoint. And so then I just go to Waypoint and talk about his because between him and Daniel Rando it's like a powerhouse of just let's talk about things from a literary or intellectual standpoint like when they talked about that ian bogost article oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh it's gotta be what like a month now in that article that atlantic article did you see that well uh, i don't think so he talked about how like games are not good venues for telling stories and it's uh, just this huge thing and ian bogost from what austin walker said is that he's he's a very he's much more of an academic intellectual yeah and so he mostly and Austin Walker's hypothesis was that he wrote that article more to incite debate than to kind of plant his flag in the ground and be like, games can't tell stories. Right. Because it was on the onset of uh, what became Edith Finch coming out, and he was talking about it from that standpoint. Yeah, and in that article, he was more he was more saying, like, games can't tell, like, a, a really explicit story like you can in a book. Like, games can give a very personal story that I think is more... It has more capability to be moving, you know, uh, just due to do the player having their own experience and it being like uniquely theirs, right? Yeah. Um, I I have you know I, I pulled a couple quotes from it. Sure. Um, when I was when I wanted to talk about it before, but since we're talking about it anyways, let's talk about it now. Uh, or just to at least touch on it. But yeah, so he was he was saying something how it was it was telling that the most uh the best examples of stories in games currently are those that rely on only one character. Or like no actors on the screen. Yeah. It's like Gone Home, Firewatch, what became of Edith Finch, and those types of games. And he kind of said it as like a flaw, like almost as if games couldn't progress from this point. Like, okay, we've reached the 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 literary peak of where games can go narrative wise. And I just kind of I personally see it as a it's a step. Like it's it's a, they're building the path. I imagine um Tacoma, which is Fulbright's next game will be another step where they're going to try adding actors because because putting in characters into games that you have to interact with, especially in a narrative based game, is difficult if you have a small team. Like animation is difficult, and if the characters approach the Uncanny Valley, it's immediately going to disconnect people from the story. So people, so small teams sidestep that and just try to tell it, avoiding having actors on the screen. 
Right. And so I think it's going to be partially a, uh, a help from AAA is going to have to play its hand and, and, and pushing more animation in the realm of doing better, uh, facial animation. And I mean, you've seen that a lot between like prey and like uncharted four and other games or even injustice Two. like last of us. Yeah. Last of us. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's also watched. Um, right, yeah. Naughty Dog. What was the? Um, yeah. What are the Miss the Millers? What was their new game? Millers. You played it a lot. The new Cyan. What is it? Oh, oh Abduction. New- yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Abduction is all FMV people. Yeah, yeah. and so like I mean, which is cool. ways to get around that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abduction was really good. Um. So yeah, so sort of on that on that like note of talking about, talking about like uh, what AAA is capable of doing. Um. Here's a quote from the article. If the ultimate bar for meaning in games is set at teen fair, then perhaps they will remain stuck in a perpetual adolescence. Is he talking? Okay, so I feel like, and I hate to like set this line, but is he talking, like, like, is there a difference between games that most people consume and games in general? Because I feel like there are some pretty adult things being talked about in games in general, like at least that I've seen. Now, maybe that's not what people are downloading to their PS4, but... I couldn't even tell you what games in general is right now because right. I, I don't talk to anyone that's not like quote unquote in the know in in some way, shape or form. I mean, we, we just had like even like that Dragon Cancer was a pretty big game. Like, like I mean, like as far as indie stuff, go, like obscure indie stuff goes, like dra- that Dragon Cancer got a lot of attention and that is not teen fair in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think he was, he was, I don't know. He was, I listened to the Waypoint episode when they were talking about it and Daniel Riendo kind of interpret it as him saying young adult is bad and having this and that being kind of a sexist remark Mm -hmm. because like a lot of young adult is like female authors or female consumers and i read it as because i personally don't like young adult fiction uh i read it as young adult is kind of like this watered down Mm -hmm. like watered down plot construction watered down themes watered down like intellectual thought provocation twilight Um, twilight hunger games right those kinds of I, they like, are I don't, fun to read though right right like, i don't like, consider like harry potter is not young adult like harry potter like was a children's book and then like trajected over young adult fiction into just straight yeah adult and like fiction. The, the magic of that series was that like it grew up with the readers right right and um, people complain about how like order of the phoenix was like it's young adult moment because it was very much about like teen angst and like yeah the the trials and tribulations of high school which i personally like because i was a high schooler at the point and i was like okay i can super relate to this yeah I never liked Harry Potter. Um, I liked it. I like it less now. Let me tell you about this Harry Potter anime. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) They drive cars. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) The cars have magical powers. No, actually like a, um, like a, a like slice of life Ghibli movie about that flying car. Be dope. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like a uh, like the main character is the car. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, main yeah, character exactly, is the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like travel. Ooh. Wait, this is Herbie. You're just describing Herbie. Yeah, if Ghibli did Herbie, that'd be dope. <laughs> I love Herbie. Except, except the like, the car couldn't be like quite as it'd be. It'd be more like that movie about uh, the tire. Did you ever see that? Uh, what's it? I never watched it. Rubber. Rubber. Yeah, the movie's uh, great, but also just like agonizing to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if like if the car had like that level of sentience, like you're not really sh- like they don't really explicitly make it like beep at people and be all like happy right. and sad right. and shit. You know, like they just like had it do stuff that like made it seem like the car kind of has an agenda. Right. That would be really cool. <laughs> this car's mainline conservative. 
The car wanted <laughs> the car wanted to back out of the Paris Accord. Um, I think with all the there's like so much debate about games and other media, like games, video games as a medium. And what's interesting is like I, I haven't read that article, but it sounds like he's kind of like being like, look at games as a whole. You know, like look at you know he's talking about like NFL, 2K, whatever, and also gta and and like you don't really get that with books like people never argue in the merit of books even though like go to a bookstore there's it's like mostly trash yeah i think no, it's i just, mean 90 percent of everything is trash like yeah. that's just like the rule and so of thumb. it's weird that like with a lot of well, a lot of the times when people talk about games as a medium they're just taking like a slice yeah of like a genre right and and, and applying that to all of games yeah. Um, I think games got a, a little too commercialized too early on. I think everyone yeah. can agree on that. Um, and also the written word is ancient. Like there, there's right. this, there's this holiness to the written word. Like ever since right. you know the Gutenberg was invented. So you right. could argue though that interaction is even more ancient. Yeah, unlike games. Yeah. But the, the, but that's the problem, and I feel like that's kind of like a crux of the article is that like all right when you say games. Do you mean games as a storytelling device? You mean games as like a a a, a way to interact with one another? Yeah, I mean like right. and for competition and, and chance and chess tells a story, right? Like when you it's it's really simple, um, and it's not very high fidelity. Chess is the most emergent story, <laughs> right, of them all. Um, but I I would argue, and I think people would totally disagree with me on this, that there's like that there is an emergent narrative in a chess game. Yeah. Um. Oh, real quick. Wouldn't it be dope if you were like part of like a writing like group and they had like writing jams and what one of the jams would be like you pick like, you know how they have like all those like chess matches late, like they chronicle chess matches and they have all the moves and stuff uh-huh. like you get one of those and then you have to write a story based on that. Like from the perspective of like the piece that like checks the king or something from like the beginning to the uh, end. Right. Yeah, that'd be that'd crazy. Be crazy. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. That's just going to oh. turn into a game jam where it's like, okay, everyone's just going to write a fantasy like medieval warfare story. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean like that would be the most of them, but then you'd have the managors of the jam that would like... They're all rabbits. <laughs> yeah. and the rabbits are running away from the foxes. <laughs> but anyway. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so... so uh, Yeah, so there's a merchant narrative in chess. Um so yes, games can, are capable of telling stories. Um, that seems to be the end of the argument to me. I, I don't I don't like uh, whether it's particularly good at telling a particular kind of story is a totally different question, and whether or not we've been telling bad stories with games for a little while is also a different question. Which I which yes we have been right yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're not good at telling sco- stories or incapable of telling stories because clearly we've been using them to do that for ages and we've been telling stories about humans playing games for ages too so why is it why is it like that's kind of my problem with the articles it's like why why is that up for debate right because like you hear about you know Messi made this crazy goal or whatever that's a story as a result of gameplay right and even though it's the game isn't telling something and like creating an artistic narrative or whatever and it's just a story about a player that did something cool. It's mm. still a story and there's still value there, I think. There's a good tweet I saw by Charles Pratt. I think he's a professor. I forget uh, what his background is. But he was saying, he was replying to the article and he said, basically what you said, Sam, is like, is anyone disagreeing with his main point? 
that we solve the problem of stories and games by giving up on making them truly interactive. And you said the best stories and games are basically radio plays right now, and that's fine. Music is also an inefficient way of delivering a narrative, but I still like opera. Yeah. And then, then that's, and I think that's the, like, there's no, there's no perfect way of telling a story. Like, there's no, like, this is the best medium to convey a story. Like, right. right. You want to say there was, we're kind of like in a post medium yeah. universe where like, okay, but we've already done that. <laughs> he, he was, uh, Ian Bogost was also saying in the article that games are the only postmodernist medium to be created in the postmodernist movement. Right. Right. Everything else was before film music television. Right. I don't know it's, it's interesting and I and I I'm, till the day I die I'm going to keep pushing this narrative and games point because uh it's it's something just very very personal to me and I think that's that's the next frontier in there's, games. There's one answer that like I mean it just makes it totally relevant that we like Dwarf Fortress, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's it's literally it's not even a game like like Tarn Adams says himself uh, we we look at this as a narrative engine, um, in which you know these crazy stories play out, and you're just the one that can that's like controlling it. And I, that's not even a radio play, I don't think. I mean, it's like right. it, you know, it's literal, persistent, happening right now in front of you narrative. You know, like there's no. It's basically like a historical record, right? Well, like, you have that too, but I mean, you can like go as micro or macro as you want with Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, I mean, you can control a single dwarf. Or you can control like generations of them, and like the story of yeah. the cats dying from alcohol poisoning. Like that's a really funny story. Yeah, yeah. Isn't there like a cat problem in Dwarf Fortress? Yeah. Like they're overpopulated or something? Um, Tarn was talking about a weird, but so so it's really deeply simulated, right? Um, right. And and Tarn was talking about like geographic, uh, like plate tectonics simulation. Yes. Yeah. Like everything. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about a weird, like sometimes they encounter weird bugs. Where like the simulation doesn't quite up quite like meet all the way up on both ends like, uh. So what would happen is the dwarves go into the the tavern and they drink, um. And they also like drop food on the floor and they also spill like their beer on the floor. Okay. So the cats looking for food to eat will come into the the tavern and eat the food, and also get um their paws covered in. They in don't alcohol. drink alcohol though. They don't drink the alcohol, but they get their paws covered in it. But now they're dirty, so they go back to wherever they you know, live or whatever, and they'll lick themselves off, ingesting the alcohol that they collected off the floor and die because of the alcohol poisoning. Oh, my God. And yeah. so the bug was just like, why are all these cats dying? <laughs> yeah. And that's it's just really like, sad. Why are all these alcoholic cats but then, dying? But then, like, then, like cats that would cause a dwarf alcohol. to get sad because his cat died. And he oh, would get no. mad and start like... They used to have, um, there used to be a problem with the game where, I forget, there's like, like a, a name for thunder. it, but like, <laughs> it's it's basically when like all the dwarves get really grumpy and mad and won't do anything uh -huh. and like you can't win basically. Well, there's only one grumpy dwarf. They just get really, <laughs> oh, it's called, um, it's it's called like a tantrum fail or something like that. When oh like, my God. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's a way of losing tantrum fail exception of like the, your scenario ending is like, right. just like all the dwarves have tantrums. Yeah. So that would cause like the cats dying would cause dwarves to have tantrums that like the ones that like loved the cats would it like spark their like, war <laughs> like yeah a, like your clan inside, war? yeah jesus christ yeah. but then also you have like the game like simulating a world's history beforehand and being able to like go back and be like oh who did this orc fight how did they change factions who did they marry how have you guys played much of dwarf fortress 
Or is this more um, like outside reading? Is this, this like is a lot of outside reading? A lot of outside reading. Um, I've tried it a few times. Haven't been able to get very far. Uh, is there a fail state? Like, can like if all your dwarves die, is it like well, restart? I mean, you can keep watching the world, right? So at that point, it's just that's the end of your agency in it. Okay, right. Um, so do you like? So how does that? Are you assigned a dwarf or assigned a clan, and then you control that clan? Or is yeah, it- so so it started ages ago. Like when it when it was there's like a bunch of different scenarios you can do now, but like the traditional dwarf fortresses, you start with a group of dwarves and you're trying to move to the to the right. Um, <laughs> the classic video game narrative: move to the right. Right, and it's like top down, but like you're you're basically like trying to mine through this in, into this like huge wall. Right. Okay. Um, and that's where you get all your resources and you like build out and set up your your fortress inside the wall. And I think enemies can come from this. Might be totally wrong. Um, but I think enemies come from the left. I don't know. I, the, the farthest I got like the was scenario. I was able to collect wood. That's as far yeah. as I. Enemies I, come from the left. I feel like that's a big geopolitical or classist <laughs> commentary. <laughs> the West, the enemies come from the West, and we must save ourselves in the East, the East Lands. Borneo. <laughs> Great Thibet. Right. Sorry, Sam. Oh, no, that's fine. Um,. So there are a bunch of different scenarios you can do now, but um, I think go to the right was like the original scenario, um, uh, but it's since gotten a lot bigger. Um, but I think there's also something cool in that only a few people can really play Dwarf Fortress. There's a certain literacy required right. to like now you you can read about Dwarf Fortress and read stories that have been generated by Dwarf Fortress. But to be the person that, like like to play Dwarf Fortress is almost to like write a story. To in be a the sense. chronicler, right? Yeah, because you have to experience it and then tell it to someone else. If that's not narrative, I don't know what is. Yeah, I I, I liked Austin Walker's interpretation, which is basically I think that that article is more to incite debate, right, than to incite hate. Then 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 to say this is the way it is. Yeah, I know, but um, that's I don't, the way it is. I don't know. I guess I just don't know if we need a debate. And I'll stop yeah. tirading about this now. It's just like, <laughs> do, do we really need a debate about this? Like, yeah, the, the, they're capable of it. I think it helps push the envelope because, I mean, I'm still, I think there's still uh, consumers and developers are like, get this narrative out of my games. But is, is nah. proving a point the, the reason you should be like making so, like something? Also, like, I mean, like, you know, like well, for I think when it comes to to writing and art and op-eds, yes. <laughs> I think most people demand a narrative in their games. They just demand, like... The Skyfall. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's not really... I feel like it's not really on creators right now if you want, like, to push it forward. Like, there's creators doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, having not seen Get Out, so maybe I shouldn't talk about this, but... um. I think like Get Out's a pretty intricate movie, right? And it has a lot of it has a lot of um, sort of subtleties about it that make it really good for people who like film. Um, I'm being really vague because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I um, mean, I, I know it's the, really good, but I know the crux of it. Am I? Have you seen it? Yeah. Am I? Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've read the Wikipedia. Synopsis, but it has so a lot say, of like mechanical things that film does really well. Right. Which do you think? We'll do higher in box office this year. That or Wonder Woman. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, um, which is a more like enriching thing to consume. You know, like I mean, well, I mean, I would argue that Get Out isn't to me because Get Out is this commentary on like liberal subtlety of racism, but in a horror movie and with with 
with supernatural elements. I'm like, well, I don't want that. And I watched uh, Dear White People, and I really liked Dear White People, and then Joe Wetmore, not to call Joe out, but just to create um, a opposing viewpoint. Joe didn't like Dear White People because he felt like Get Out did commentary on racism way better. To me, I was like, yeah, but it's really easy for me to dismiss it because it's a horror movie and it has these supernatural elements. Like if you want to make commentary on, on racism and on like a real world thing, make a real world movie. Not- there isn't really supernatural elements. There's a little bit. I don't recall any. Well, but, but even so, I mean, um, aren't they like trapped when they get possessed? Uh, well, I mean, there's like some sci-fi, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But some suspension of disbelief is. Well, sort it's not of. realistic. I fiction. mean, in the same sense that, like, if somebody in like a movie has like a cool motorcycle that doesn't exist, you're just like, okay, I buy it. Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And and you know, I I should probably stop talking about two movies that I haven't seen. But all I'm, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is that. You know, Wonder Woman, yeah, you know, is like not as enriching as like this, you know, uh, subtle, um, poignant, uh, you know, talk about racism that's in Get Out. Yeah. I think that's a more important thing to consume, but it probably is not what people really want to consume um, in, in very in general. Yeah. You know, um, so uh, yes, the same thing applies to games and that's why the next Call of Duty is going to be, you know. You know this like masturbatory, you know white World War Two, you know thing, right? <laughs> and it's not going to be, you know the, uh, the Russian take on the war, or or the the, um, the view from like the RAF or like from from French Resistance or like you know any any other scenario that could be an interesting, you know, th- the horse that hasn't been beaten to death, that it could be. Um, and at the same time, it's people, not. That's not what people want to consume. I don't think it'll like explore interesting mechanics that could only be done in World War II setting. It's more gonna have the, like a bad story. About, what does the bolt action rifle have to say about right. the right. modernization of combat? I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think, at least for talking about the the new Call of Duty, I think they're still trying to get the band of brothers of games that they've wanted for. Almost at two decades. Dude, Call of Duty 2 was that, basically. It was so good. Call of Duty 2 was so good. Was that the one with the big red one? No, that, the, that was... Is that 3? That was 3. Okay. Um, 2 was like the second World War 2 one that was like... I think it was... Was it a launch title for the 360? No idea. No, I think 3 um, was a launch title for 360. I think 3... Pretty sure. Well, either way, two, two's, two's a really solid... Really solid, like, go get them, boys... Banner Brothers type, type narrative. Um, but it's for a different generation. So like the people that probably consume that are not the people that that were of age to consume it that want to consume sure. this one. Um, but also like counterpoint to that would be we have Modern Warfare Two, yeah. with no Russian. You know, like we can we can be edgy and tell like you know an interest interesting narrative that isn't just like you know go go shoot the Russians, kill them Nazis. You know, go shoot the yeah. I don't know. Going back to Wonder Woman for a second, um, not to create this as a counterpoint to what you said, but I am excited for Wonder Woman just because it's oh me too yes the first good DC movie from all 
Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 still, I'm still I'm pretty firmly on board that Superman v. Batman was dope. Maybe it was, uh, man, Batman v. Superman and Suicide Squad were like, okay, this is like one half of like an okay movie, and then Suicide the second Squad half. Suicide Squad was awful. It was pretty bad. Like, unwatchably awful. You didn't like Deadshot as Will Smith? I, Starring Deadshot playing Actually, Will I mean, Smith. there's like plenty of stuff I did like i mean like will smith was cool and stuff but like the kid like will smith was cool because he's cool he right. wasn't cool because he was dead shot yeah and there's just like so much yeah stuff. it was just like fresh prince of bel-air but like in a dead shot costume yeah like, could it was you, just will smith and like the the idea of like this dude can shoot anything anywhere all the time and then there's just like so many moments in the movie where it's like well why didn't he just shoot that like that's the whole movie you're just like suicide squad why is, doesn't he just shoot that oh I shouldn't get started, but it just is. shoot it. It'd be really interesting to go through the movie with like uh like a highlighter for films and just like highlight everything in the movie where it's like, well, he should have just shot that. Could just shot. Could just shot here. Could just shot. Could killed. Yeah, the whole movie terrible. Stylistically trash. Narratively trash. Batman v Superman um, though. Like, what's up with everybody shitting on that and being like, what's up with Batman having feelings for his mom in that movie, guys? Like, people just don't like Ben Affleck. Oh, he was the best Batman. I agree. <laughs> He's so I like good. Ben Affleck. And like the whole like deep voice because of a voice modulator. Brilliant. Yep. Like they're not like, okay, Ben Affleck, do your best idiot impression. Just yeah. like, like this. You remember what Christian Bale did? Just do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just talk normal. We'll make it sound cool in post. I'm excited for Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's Me gonna too. be good. See how it goes. And man, that guitar solo and BV, BVS, BVS, when uh, Wonder Woman comes in and it's like, does that Wonder Woman theme? And you're like, oh shit. This oh, is good. sort of off topic, but um, what was, sorry to totally derail everything. What was the, what was the uh, Superman movie with Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor? Oh, uh, Superman Returns. That's dude, a good ass movie. Dude, I was I I hadn't seen it. Uh we were on vacation last week in Myrtle Beach and it was like one in the morning and like uh the rest of the family was was passed out and Lauren and I were like looking like trying to find something because we weren't tired. And so we put on the TV in the hotel room and it was that and I was like, dude, what is like Kevin Spacey what is this movie this is crazy and he's so good as Lex Luthor he's really good he's so good like the part where he's like on the man-made island and he's like kryptonite and he's just he's hamming it up but in the best possible way yeah it's it's insanely good and uh, you know coming back to House of Cards you can totally tell he's like channeling a little bit a little bit of that like (laughs) like the like the I don't know the the um the scene where he's captured what's her name and she's like got the baby mm-hmm. um i can't i, 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 I only watched a little bit yeah lois lane he's he's captured her <laughs> and she's got the baby and, if it's a and, female in a superman movie right, lois yeah lane. sorry um and uh and he's like telling her like he's you know like monologuing about his dastardly plan to thwart superman and like separate the section of america from the uh yeah. the rest of the continent um and it that just that monologue that the way he was delivering it felt so frank underwood but with like, but like younger and more sarcastic. <laughs> it was it was really good. I I freaking love Kevin Spacey going on monologues. Kevin Spacey's my favorite. Good. He's a good actor. Um, Sam, have you uh been playing any games? Um, yeah, I've been playing uh Near Automata. Yeah, how's that? 
really good. Yeah. Yep. Finally getting around to it. I got it on PC. I played it on PS4 and got about halfway through it at um uh on Lauren's brother's PS4 when we were up in Leesburg a few weeks ago. Um and then I got it on PC because I like it a lot. And it's just um man, I don't want to like ruin it because there's so many good surprises in that game. Um but it's a good platinum game with very interesting excellent excellent platinum game thematic. Um, it's 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 definitely very platinum, but it's like platinum being a little more serious. Um it's not quite as like insane as um uh geez, what was the what's the Vanquish? Vanquish, yeah, sorry. That which also just came out. Yeah. On PC. Excited for that. Um, yeah, that's gonna be my next my next, next I think it's gonna be my next downwell to be honest. Um it's like a game to like get good at. Um but anyways, uh good. Yeah, so they they just have a lot of a, a lot of cool moments um in the game and it's uh uh as far as like holistic games go, I think it would be like a, a, a top contender or whatever. Like even the menu has narrative, like the game's menu has narrative impact. Um trying to figure out how to say this all super vaguely so you, it's not ruining anything, but it's really good. Cool. Play it. The only the only complaint I have about it is it's a little walky. Oh yeah, just getting from place to place. Yeah, um, you do get fast traveling, um, but there's uh, like it's not like Skyrim or right. I mean, it's it's like kind of open world. It's like a hub world sort of thing. Um, but like the enemies in like the beginner area when you go like back to the base, which is like one of the first things you encounter, are all like really weak. You just kind of end up running past them, so it's just this like sprint from like the desert or whatever back to like the base and it's kind of kind of boring but um i haven't i've only encountered one boring quest and it's like an escort quest and that sucked but everything else is great there's so many good set pieces like um there's once there's one bit where you like encounter an amusement park um and they they like uh the the amusement park's presented beautifully it was like all these like gorgeous fireworks and this like kind of sad but like uh still beautiful music is like playing the whole time while you're there um and they like uh this is like only a mild very vague spoiler but they like they like trick you into fighting something that isn't even a like because they like sort of tell you like that might be a boss and they trick you into fighting it even though it's like totally harmless just because like they're like playing on your expectations as Mm -hmm. a player um, and the game is like that's like basically the whole game is just playing on what you would expect from like a fighting game. I know they tell it from um, like two different perspectives. Like New Game Plus is from one of the other androids' perspectives, and uh, but then they t- talk a lot about consciousness and AI and yeah. So I mean, the main char- and there's there's tons of Shakespeare jokes. Really? Yeah. Well, the whole game is kind they of they play about, Mumford uh, and the, Sons. Uh, <laughs> serve God. To be love. Yeah, love yeah. Me that's and so, man. so the main character's name is To Be. Ah. Uh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, and they, uh-huh. uh, and and there's stuff like, but the, there's other, the other jokes later that I don't want to be. It's got like an exclamation point. Yeah, negation. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but there's a lot. Well, it it's it's like pretty pretty existential, right? Like it's like what is it, what does it mean? Like there's a section where, um, there you're fighting these guys, and they're like, we've encountered humanoid robots. And it's like, wait, but that's what you are. <gasps> and it, it, it so cool. it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like what, like where does consciousness start and where does it end? Um, it's really good. Have I ever told you guys, uh, going back to Shakespeare, have I ever told you guys my running joke of uh, doing Shakespeare quotes in uh, 
a Forrest Gump voice. No, but that's no. pretty good. Funny. It's like Hawk through yonder window breaks. It is the East, and Juliet is the Sun. <laughs> Alas, Jenny is the Sun. Alas, Paul Yarek. <laughs> I knew him yell well, Horatio. Big fan. It's real good. Um, <laughs> my my girlfriend Stupid is joke. a huge Shakespeare nerd. Oh, really? So I- I'm going to make sure she hears that part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's she big Forrest Gump fan too. Um, I mean, as much as anyone else. I, I mean, if you're American. Well, that movie was charming, you know, like. <laughs> uh, anything else? Game um, wise? Let me think. No, I don't think so. I think that's it. I, uh. How's, how's not the, a lot of time to play games. So. How's, how's the Pico? How's your pen, your dual <laughs> pendulum? <laughs> yeah, that was way too much math. Um, that clip, that snippet you posted in Slack is insane. Yeah. yeah, it looked like I was like, okay, this this snippet's really small for like what this thing is doing, so it's probably super complicated. I'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> I'll so, read into this later. No, it's really just it's really just those two monstrous lines where it's you're you calculate the delta theta of the first pendulum. Um, which is like the first one from the the origin, right? Yeah. The one that's like swinging, and then you count, the, you calculate the delta theta of the next pendulum, which is on that joint. Mm-hmm. For um, those who don't know, delta means change in, and theta is a representation, a variable for angles. Yeah. So the change in the angle. Polar coordinates. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the cool thing about like, so I didn't like look at the Wikipedia page and then like write that. Like, I'm not that smart. Um. I found a someone wrote one in Java, um, and they they had a, a Java like a Java and MATLAB, which is weird tutorial on. I'm not surprised how to make, <laughs> how to make like how to make like double pendulums. Uh huh. Um, and uh, so I just like they explained how the algorithm worked, and I like I like figured out the algorithm, and then like translated it into Pico eight. I did that. I did that um, with uh, when I had to figure out um, a star. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna stare at this Java implementation of a star. And like slowly translate it and then yeah. have to do all this weird because like I'm not just representing like I'm not just iterating through like an array I have like nodes so then I have to figure out how to iterate through the mm-hmm. nodes correctly and shit what's cool is that with 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 that is it's like totally deterministic so given the same um, start variables it will be exactly the same oh, really result every time yeah because there's no it's not like it's not adding like gravity to it or like simulating any physics it's just like given given this this like start theta and the mass of these two these two pendulums what position should it be at and it looks chaotic but you can um you can just change the input variables and it'll you know be the same every time so if you start now i think that if you have um i think that if you have like say two or three of them and they're all the same then then they should all match up but if there's even like the slightest difference in mass between the two then they'll be like different within hmm. you know cool just like a few seconds that's cool i don't know what i'm going to use it for i just thought it would be a fun physics thing to throw it into what was that um train jam game but was it bennett foddy's b game that has double pendulum a double pendulum in it no um the one where you're like sword fighting on the you're like like two double oh, uh pishing yeah yeah, <laughs> that game mate, is fun. I'm, I'm mate, Pico eight bad shing. at it. Pico eight shing, Pico eight shing. Shing is probably the best title of a game I've heard in recent memory. We should we should do Train Jam. I really want to do Train Jam. 
Like yeah. for you and go to GDC and do Train Jam? Yeah, I would like that. That would be fun. Fly out to Chicago. I would also like to be rich. <laughs> yeah. If I could be indie famous, please, that would be. That Wait, what would be is great. it? I mean, how much is you got to fly to, to Chicago? So, what, however much a one way plane ticket to Chicago is, and then however much the train ticket is from Chicago to San Francisco, and then the price of GDC, and then plane ticket back from GDC to Richmond. So, like $5,000. Would it be that much? Well, I mean, I mean, I know San Francisco would be pretty expensive, and then also uh, so, the GDC yeah. ch- ticket. Isn't how much are GDC tickets right now? I, I like, it's for like three hundred for Indie Summit, but like, but like for a full thing is like two grand, right? It's like fifteen hundred, yeah. All right, yeah. So like, so maybe not five thousand, but like, like four thousand. Are you implying that the Indie Summit's not not worth? You should just buy a higher tier. Uh, well, the fifteen hundred dollar one <laughs> is just like the general access to everything. Right. Like you just, um, it, it's not even. I think you can still get nicer ones after that. Nicer, nicer passes, but um, I mean, I don't know if I was going to GDC. I've I've never been to GDC, but if I was going to GDC and I would get like the fifteen hundred dollar one just because it'd be cool to be actual like go like not just go on the trade show floor, but also be able to see like you know any talk I want. Right. Right. I would say like the first time I went, like if I just had Indie Summit, it would have been like way less of an experience. Cause like the animation summit had like my favorite talk and the audio summit was cool. And there's just all these other things going on. So what does the indie track limit you to like a, a room? Oh. And then the, like the trade show floor, it's a hundred dollars to get on the trade show. I'm pretty sure it's like pretty cheap. So it's just a trade show, like, like a PAX. It's just, yeah. Like just, an E3. Yeah. Just booths. Hmm. That's what my friend Mark did. He was shown his, his game Desolus. Um, and what's also cool is like a lot of places around GDC is to my knowledge, um, will do like galleries, will do like shows of games too. Um, but they're like catered events and stuff where you can go like play these games and there's like, you know, there's like beer and, and eat <laughs> and, and like, you know, hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. Steal a bunch of finger sandwiches, tide you over for the rest of the, yeah. I mean like <laughs> if, you, if you're like, if you have your finger on the beat of like parties, you can, eat for free pretty much well i should go with moman i feel like moman yeah would be moman good at paying attention to that real good at that moment and mike when we went like they were always up to something they said they met some guy that worked at double fine they, he gave him like a tour of double fine mm-hmm. gotta do it you gotta do it guys we gotta go yeah i'm train um, jam i'm saving uh for it to go next year so cash yeah, in my ethereum go. Went worth a bajillion. Ooh, yeah, I got some Ethereum. <laughs> oh yeah, you bought some. Yeah, I bought some. How much you buy? Uh, one half. Okay, it's like fifty bucks or so. No, it's like two hundred right now. Yeah, it's like two thirty for half. Oh, for no, for one. No, for half it was like a hundred and forty. It's like for one, it was like close to three hundred. When'd you buy it? I'm waiting for it to. I'm waiting oh, for okay. it to go back down again. I think yeah. it's gonna. At the floor right now was at I mean, a week ago was at like one thirty. So. I don't think it's going to ever move back south down of that. Hold on. I'm checking what it's worth. What my nest egg is worth. Do you think it would get down <laughs> below 200 again? It might. Um, That's kind of what I was banking on. I might go ahead and buy if it, if it won't. I have a notification flag for uh, uh, if it goes south of 150 and it notifies me, I'll just buy one. Yeah, I would do that too. Yeah, it's, it's 223 right now. I never saw a peak above... At three hundred. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you bought a different percentage. I don't know. I don't remember. 
Yay, not SEC backed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Exchanges. So I got like one, like point five five. Okay. And paid like a hundred and plus a transaction fee or whatever it is. Cool. So nothing else, Sam. No other games. I don't think so. Will. No games. I've literally. I haven't no even risk. played a game of Risk. God, wow. It's like I'm Crazy. talking to a different person. Um, did we have podcasts last week? Yeah, with Alex. That's right. I haven't put it up yet. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I really haven't really done much. I've been like looking for a job and stuff. So how's that? How's the ye old, it's ye a old? super fun game? <laughs> it's the best game. Can you need we... to work on the juice though. <laughs> Can we gamify? How do we gamify job hunting? Juice it up. It needs like a hundred percent more juice. Screen shake. Yeah. <laughs> Go on indeed. It's I mean, I feel like whenever I do anything that's not games related, I feel like why is this so poorly done? Like <laughs> you I need like I need one dot resume file and then I should be able to apply on any platform. Yeah. So ridiculous. Or like you never trust, like I just upload a PDF and we'll crawl the page and rip out the stuff. And it's always yeah. wrong. Yeah. It's like, is your address Dylan Elvento? Like, no, that's <laughs> right. not my address. Yeah. So it's just like it's so ridiculous how poor how bad we do that. So Yeah, but if we if if there'd be no way to get people to to congregate around a unified file extension. Then why not? Why? Because that never happens. I know. You should use dot because people like most people like people aren't literate enough to do that. Like computer literate enough. Like they just like you know, there are people who will like take a screenshot of something to describe like a problem and then like embed it in a word document as an object and then send you like a three megabyte word document like this is my problem instead of like just sending you like the thirty kilobyte JPEG. Uh. You know, like, like, I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be a thing once. Think of how much easier it would be once all for, the old people like, die. Yeah. for like people if you're hiring somebody to just like be like, okay, all the dot resume files are going to go into this app, and then within that app, I'm like, okay, this is the minimum amount of experiences, and then it just filters them all. You know, like that'd you be so much sort, easier. Yeah, this, you could like have so many ways to sort it. And, yeah, like. like uh, I want to look at all the ones with this age range, or I want to look at all the ones right with this GPA or whatever. Like that's that's pretty That'd good. That'd be ageist. Well, the problem is that the problem is like entrepreneurs, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that means nowadays. Yeah, they want to congregate around a platform, not a technology. Like it's like oh, Indeed or fucking Monster or Glassdoor to LinkedIn, whoever. They're just like, oh, no, just use our platform and enter in all your information. And then we'll when people put up their job postings on our platform, they'll then you can just hit apply and it'll just send all their stuff through us because we already have it. Yeah, they're so product oriented. Yeah. Like it's Slack, but for Ugh. food for Ubers. <laughs> people are so dumb. And, like for feeding yeah. your car. Like. Well, here's another yeah. thing, right? Like recipes, <laughs> like why is that not a file extension yet? Because like, there's no market. Well, so that would be good. There's a giant market. It's just people are still buying books like morons. So that'd be good. So I think what you're talking about, what needs to happen, it's going to be like 
it's going to be like press kit, right? Or Bitcoin or any of these things where it's going to be some no-name guy that's not going to want any credit for it. He's just going to make the file format and then a couple of sites are going to pick it up. And then like it's going to, when 51% of the market starts using the file extension, then the, basically the entire market uses it. Right. It's just, it, there's, it needs to be a critical mass. Right. So, so if you get des- Rachel Ray yeah. to start using. So yeah, if you design <laughs> dot recipe, just use whatever the fuck, it, the, use the markdown or the latex fucking like <laughs> formatting guide. Right. And then just like embed it on a site somewhere. You just need one customer. You just need one customer. Just, I mean, if I've learned anything from those recent episodes of Silicon Valley, you just need one customer. This is so infuriating. Like, think about how great it would be if you had like just a dot recipe. It'd be awesome. I would love that. You could like try them out, star the ones you like, edit them. Have, yeah, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I think it's because people want to be the platform holders. Yeah, that's stupid. That's so dumb. <laughs> Said every open source developer ever. <laughs> yeah, but clo- closed source. I mean. I mean, you could is, still is, do is, crazy is, uh, closed source stuff with it. Like, oh, what if we have like DRM on these recipes? And then like you can pay five bucks and get like Rachel Ray's it's recipe like of the week. But for right, I mean, like for recipes. I mean, it makes sense yeah. for everyone. Like, it's just like Clo- closed source file extensions suck, though. Yeah, but I mean, like it could be like what is Apple's MP3? There's none. M4A. Yeah, but it's not like super closed source. Like you can export no, anything but like to M4A. No, but a PSD is closed source. Technically, oh, oh, you mean a Photoshop document? Yeah, yeah. and that's like, uh, like if you if you if you don't have Photoshop, fuck you. Well, but you Adobe can't is edit actually this file in any convenient way. Can't GIMP open no, up a PSD? Yeah, like can, Adobe's can been pretty good about like file extension. Like they're all closed source, but like they like, give you the um, meta. T- yeah, whatever you need to actually like open and offer stuff to them. parse it. The yeah. tags. Yeah. Um, I think Unity can open a PSD. Like, yeah, you don't even like, need to drop like yeah. PNGs GIMP in there. Yeah, but like you can't edit it. Is what I'm saying. Sure. No, you can. In GIMP, can you even can with you layers? Yeah. Does it flatten it? I mean, yeah. So like, it, you you can't do a lot of the like stuff like photo like if you have like the Photoshop, uh, smart layer stuff going on. Yeah. Then it's fucked up. But like. All my clipping masks. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, maybe. So then it just get, gets down to like how far the product emulates Photoshop, I think. Like, I think Adobe, as shitty as they are in so many ways, is actually been really good about like that's opening fair. up their file extensions. That's fair. Yeah. And like not licensing, like not requiring a license for that either. Yeah. Like Flash, it's easy to author and open Flash files. Fucking- and- Adobe doesn't give a shit about Flash yeah, <laughs> at this true. point. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like the idea that, corrected. like, if you want to use MP3s, that you need to pay a licensing fee. Like, who's gonna do that? <laughs> Which right. I think I guess you don't have to now. Isn't that the news? Like MP3s, like oh yeah, the patent expired or something. Yeah, so knock yourself. Whoever out. owned it. Wow, fucking! I hate. Now you don't have to download the the lame MP3 encoder when you have Audacity. <laughs> lame MP3 encoder dot exe. The I when I transferred to my new MacBook, I lost my Microsoft suite, which isn't a big deal because I'm not in school anymore. But like, I still like using uh Word, uh-huh. so I'm just used to it. And like, fucking, you can't even just buy Word. You have to get Office 365. Uh-huh. It's like I'm not paying fucking. 
twenty thirty dollars a month. Oh yeah, fucking word. This whole trend of paying per month for software is like I can never get behind that. I mean, it works well with Adobe because I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars for fucking Photoshop every right. four years or whatever. So but I'd rather pay a subscription for that. No way. I'll just pirate that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. The like, views of Will Blanton are not reflected as the views of Ward Games. Like I don't pirate anything, but like I'll pirate Photoshop because that sucks. Pirate the fuck out of Photoshop. Yeah. Come on, Adobe. Get with it. Just make it like, if they made it like 200 bucks, I'd bite the bullet. Yeah, but. 25 I bet- bucks. A, I don't have 25 bucks a month to play around with your dumb software. Come on. Whatever. That's what I do for Unity. Womp womp. (laughs) Whatever, man. That's worth it for fucking getting rid of that splash screen. Yeah. I'll pay any price. Pay pay away your shame (laughs) for using the most ubiquitous game engine on the planet. God damn it. It's just if you could customize it. I would do Unreal if Unreal wasn't like the like most like, oh, here's just like the longest compile time you can possibly imagine. And you have to have the most monstrous PC you can possibly imagine to even run the software and fucking so many other things. And if Blueprints wasn't a huge pain to use. Um, like literally, literally, but I mean, I might really try feel. I might try Godot, um, but like, sorry, I didn't mean to spontaneously no, about care. Unity, Whatever. but, no, um, big deal. but, but like, yeah, paying out the ass for Unity just to get rid of a splash screen feels pretty shitty. You pay 20 a month? 25. I got it. It's but normally that's a, that's a deal, right? Yeah. yeah, I got it on discount. And they originally weren't going to have the removal of the splash screen in Plus, and then everyone, everyone flipped was like, the fuck out. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, what are we paying for? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I'm, I've been playing PUBG. Some more, some more of that PUBG. What's PUBG? Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Oh yeah. Get with it, man. Have PUBG. You been, <laughs> have you been enjoying it? Yeah, I'm liking it a lot. That's cool. Um, uh, my first game. Playing keyboard and mouse, and so Tyler was wrong about what I forget what he said. He was like, "It's not really like like it's all just random." So you think you're having fun, but you're not really. <laughs> That's a pretty good Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have fun. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I like it. I'm still getting used to. It's just such a huge landmass. So all the weapons are basically random, but like that, one of the optimal strategies is to whatever the flight path is, the plane that you jump out of, uh-huh. you kind of want to get to an area where you think there's enough buildings where you can kind of roll the dice. It's like, okay, if three out of these five buildings don't have good loot, I'll still be fine. Or you want to roll the dice of, okay, I'm going to loot this building real quick, but I know there's a car spawn here. So I'm just going to hop in the car and get way super out of the way of the jump range of the plane and just loot some city. Damn. So if like the planes on the left side of the map, then you just cop in a car and drive to the right side of the map, loot the fuck out of that place, and then drive back before the circle spawns. Dude, that sounds so cool. Can you like jump out of this planes at the same time as someone else and like kill them on the way down? Like, I, like when they like land shortly after them and kill them or whatever. Like land on like hit them when you're fu- like, when you're coming down. Maybe maybe, but like like just land near them at least. Yeah, and, I like, punched the fuck out of a guy. Like my first <laughs> my first kill in this game was me landing and be like, and, and another guy landing. We were both like, oh, and I just run up and just start throwing fists at him, and then just I'm just gonna beat shit out of you, and then just like knocked his ass down on the ground. I was like, whoa, dude, that's cool. You should get it. We should play. We should do duo. Yeah, we should. It would be fun to do like a uh. What was your word for it? 
PUBG. PUBG. Yeah, we should do a pub <laughs> a PUBG uh night at Indie House. Oh yeah. Ooh. We get like moment of play and stuff. Cool. And like yeah. and and uh Brendan. Yeah, I like it a fun. lot. Yeah, because you can go up to four people on a team. Oh, you can have teams. What? Mm-hmm. There's team matchmaking. So, I didn't know that. So there's single and then duo and then squad, which is like three or four people. Dude. That changes yeah. everything. That makes me really want to buy that. I might I get my next paycheck pretty soon. So. Yeah, you you you, sh- you can't rant, you can't go into a match with people that you know. Um, like I don't know how you can fudge it if you can, but they ought they'll if they find out you were doing it, they ban you. So if you're friends with somebody, oh, if you if like they have reason to suspect you're friends with someone in the same match and you're communicating somehow. Oh, in the single uh, player, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 in the free for all. Yeah, so you can't like. No, <laughs> you can play with friends on the four yes, players because you're all on the right. same team, and that's cool. Because if you get if you get shot, you go down, but you're not dead, so someone can revive you. So there, there, there's more strategy. Whereas in free for all, if like you lose all your health, you're dead. So. That's really cool. I really want. I that think game it now. would be more interesting if someone could revive you in free for all. <laughs> like I see, like <laughs> why you shoot you again? Yeah, I got well, killed. I mean, just to just it would make it really interesting, like. So, like, one of the more interesting things about Dark Souls 3. Oh, God. Aha, I've done it. <laughs> is the, the Mound Maker's Covenant, which lets you be summoned by people. And so, like, traditionally, you're, you're either always summoned as a helper or you invade or be summoned as, uh, like, an enemy. And if you're a helper, then the enemies fight you. And if you're an enemy, the enemies don't fight you. The Mound Maker's Covenant you can summon somebody and they can help you, but they also like the, to level up that covenant, you have to also kill the person that in summons you. So there's like this really cool thing where it's like, I'm going to summon this person and they're going to help me get to the boss, but they're going to want to kill me before the boss. Like, so it's this really interesting, like, that is interesting. What do I do? (laughs) So like, that'd be kind of, I mean, I feel like, that would be an interesting scenario in that game. Yeah. Where like somebody helps you up and you're like, a friend. But of course, by the end. Kablam. Yeah. So. This cannot last. I mean, I, I mean, that's essentially <laughs> how like, you know, Hunger Games was. Yeah. So. Uh, Watch Dogs 1 and 2 uh, did something interesting with that. Where if, if you, were, you were playing in your world and then you would randomly get hacked. Yeah. And you would have to find the person that hacked you and they would be like in a five square block radius around you. And then you would have to kill them before they quote unquote escaped and they would desync from your game shard back into their regular game. That's cool. So basically you saw them as like a regular average Joe and they, and you were playing Aiden Pierce or whoever the guy was in the second game. Yeah. But in their game, they were Aiden Pierce and you were the random guy that they were just hacking. That's cool. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. That's a neat, neat way to do that. Yeah. So yeah. And also Disney Crossy Road, but I've gone to that. It's a a Latin weekend, guys. (laughs) I'm about to unlock Genie. Uh, You got Iago? No, I don't have Iago. I have uh, Prince Ahmed and Gazim. So this is a really fucked up thing. So Jafar's on there, and Jafar's like an epic level character. Uh, And like some of the epic and legendary characters do like special stuff. So like if you get Mortimer Mouse, he like has a guitar and he plays (laughs) his guitar as he jumps around. Uh Uh or like the bell in the in the gown in the ballroom gown, she like dances with beasts. So beasts will randomly spawn. Oh wow! And he'll and they'll dance together when they get in adjacent squares. 
and they have descriptions on like the character select screen, even the ones you haven't unlocked. And for Jafar's, it says Jafar, watch out for his swinging staff. And I'm like, excuse me, who who voiced Jafar? I don't know. Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just have this. I like I want to know because I just have a memory of him being like Iago. You know, like, <laughs> really deep. Well, now now I'm gonna. I, just, I, have I to wonder look it up. who voiced him. I mean, it's Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Iago, dude, did you guys did you guys ever see that video? Gilbert Got- Gottfried reads Sh- Fifty Shades Fifty Shades of Grey. That is a fantastic <laughs> Holy video, shit. and the punchline at the end is so great. Oh my god! Oh god! You ever heard his real voice? Yeah, it's funny. It's pretty weird. Wait, that's not his real voice. It's really? a character he does. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an affectation. So that that's pretty funny to me that like he does voice acting in his fake voice. Yeah, he but did, like in, like that's his life. Yeah, you know who's also interesting uh, is uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. That was just a bunch of nouns you just threw out. <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat Goldthwait was the guy. He was like, yeah. and that was like his shtick was like oh, being yeah, like yeah. the neurotic <laughs> dude. What? And like he was in movies like playing characters that weren't Bobcat Goldthwait, but with that voice. But like he's really just like a normal dude. That's funny. He's actually really funny. Um. Uh. So I'm looking up the voice actor Jafar. It's Jonathan Freeman. Uh. He has like no notable roles outside of Jafar. Like I don't know any of these other movies he's been in. The Hoax, The Ice Storm, The Associate. The Ice Storm is that an Apple product? No, it was a 1997 film. A bunch of TV shows. Uh, mostly he was just voicing Jafar in random <laughs> Disney TV shows. He was in Gossip Girl. He was in Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Law and Order SVU. Yeah, wow, this guy, like, like being Jafar was, like, his claim to fame. Nice. Wow. And that, and that money train dried up <laughs> years ago. Um, all right. Well, as we enter our last section of the podcast, let's talk news. Specifically, let's talk about Steam Direct and that they announced that the fee... Is going to be $100. So $100 per game you want on Steam. So you like, here's here's my 100 Here's my Benjamin, Gabe. And he's like, thank you. And then opens up the gate and your game goes in. And then never to be seen again. Just falls just yeah. falls into a pit. Yeah. Yeah. Never just seen by anyone. Your years of work never to be seen by anyone. Well, they they claim that they're going to <laughs> keep improving curation. Um, I I no one saw it, uh, but I tweeted about this last night. Um, I said, less shitty games is a better optimization than better algorithms in curation. That's what I think, and I think hundred dollars is too low. I mean, what turns me off the most about Steam Direct is that they felt a need to name it. Like, yeah, just this is Steam this is, now, right? That would have been I, like if they were just like, "Look, this is just how we're doing Steam now." Like that would be like, okay. But the way they're like Steam Direct, do they have like a fancy graphic it's like, for like it? Like pr- productify it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Like that makes me feel like but it's not a product. Right. You're gonna I'm, get it. I'm the creator. I'm not the product. Like I'm you're I'm not gonna buy your product to sell my creation. Your bank statement's gonna say Steam Direct. And this could be like some emoticon of someone flipping you off <laughs> with a bunch of Japanese characters. That's what turns me off the most about a lot of stuff. It's just like feeling like, wait, am I buying a tool? Is this a tool or a product? It's a service. Right. I don't know. That doesn't really bother me because they need to be able to distinguish it from green light. They can't just be like, not green light. I mean, but, I mean, yeah, I feel like they could. I mean, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, they should just be like, this is just the way it is now. Like, but maybe that. No, I, I just think I still think that you should have to apply, and there should be a limited number of games that they have come out every year. Right. And if your game's not good enough, put it on itch. Right. Or I mean, like the thing with Greenlight. Like, I still don't think that Greenlight's broken. I think what's broken is the what the way they let the games in. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's. It's totally it's it was totally opaque as to whether like like how many votes do you need? We right. don't know. Um how long what like at what point is something not greenlit? We don't know. Right. Um it was never like, like you get this many thumbs up and you get your game on Steam. It was just like get popular. Yeah. Right. And then if you watched any of the talks from Steve De- Steam Dev Days they're just going on and on and on and on and on and just bloviating about how it's like you know, the pinnacle of democratic game development. <laughs> and it's just like, give me a fucking break. Right. Like, I don't. Ugh. So would you have preferred they st- stuck with green light or just had this, but a higher fee? Um, I mean, if I had to pick between those two, I would say much higher fee for this, like a thousand dollars. Um, I think that like, okay. So, so then, you know, the, 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 the question against that is always, all right. Well, what about people in, underdeveloped countries um that you know like a thousand dollars is a lot more for them um and i think there are two answers to that and it's just like you would just have a different amount per region which you sort of have to decide but that also make means steam is like kind of deciding what it's worth and that also means that you could like you could you could like circumventing in in croatia (laughs) right um so that's not a perfect solution um and the other solution is to just be like, no, it's a thousand dollars, and solving the world's economic problems isn't our problem. But, but that's not hats. a perfect solution either, because it means that it it means that Steam is like, like since since they're like the way that ninety percent of games are consumed, um, that's a made up statistic, but most games are consumed by Steam games, right? Um, uh, be, because of that, that means that they're they're um skewing like the art form in a way right because like that just means that like if you can't afford the thousand dollars to get on there um you know from your 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 uh tiny underdeveloped country is like too much money for you then you your voice just doesn't get heard and if you have something culturally resonant you know or important to say in your game then that just never makes it so to me the best solution is to just have, all right, we will release this many games this month and you have to apply. Yeah. And they go and curate everyone. Do and your they, job, Valve. And they go just look. Do and, your job. I mean, they have the money to do it, clearly. So, like, just hire, hire a team to go and review games and we're only going to release this many every month. And that way, everybody gets more exposure. Um, and, you know, you have to put every game on a playing field. Some games already got in, but, you know... uh 
Activision or whatever had to push their game back um, for release date, then they have to, then they have to, they don't get like a special privilege for that. Like they have to like wait till they get a free slot, right? I think that's a way, way better way of doing it just to go and manually look at every game. I mean, and it and it's not you know? that big of a deal. Like, I mean, thousands of games a month is still a completely doable thing. To, I mean, fucking hire Jupiter Hadley if you need to. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with the reference. Um, Jupy Jupy plays. Oh, is that a YouTuber? Yeah, I mean, she plays like that every Tupper? game ever. Wait, you guys are talking about this? Yeah, she like, plays like Ludum Dare games, like and she'll just, just play like name. hundreds and hundreds of them. You right. Just add your game to a list, and she like. Plays it for five seconds. She's like, "All right, next one." Right, and like that's totally uh, that's that's the amount of work that they have to do. Yeah, I mean, you could even you could even have it so that um you could even you can even have the community do it. You could have like a bunch of people who are like licensed or whatever. They're like a like a Reddit mod or something. Right, the curators, that, which they have, that, but like right. it's after the fact. And it's, and they're and they're and, right, and that's that's why I think it's backwards. Like they should what they should do is have uh the curators that Steam also picks um vote on games they like. And if a game reaches a certain number of of positive votes, then it gets placed into a month, right? But the 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 big the big point is that we're capping the number of games released each month. That's what controls it the most and make sure everyone gets equal. I, I guess my argument yeah. against that would be like, you know, how many curators would be enough? Like how many curators would, like, I, I don't know how many curators they have right now or how many like Steam approved curators they are, but you know, you can name like some obvious ones like Total Biscuit or fucking whoever, like right. Yahtzee Croshaw, like from The Escapist, maybe, I don't know. Bunch of people, um, a bunch of outlets, Kotaku, Giant Bomb, Polygon. Uh, waypoint, but well, I think they would be internal because um. Oh, okay. They, you yeah. Be, well, I mean, you could you could do it externally. I mean, I was just sort of talking about that, but like, I ideally in my ideal scenario, they would be internal curators. But how many would there be? Like, how would you like if you apply to you know you'd you, have to tune it. You apply to Indicate and Indicate like has a selection, or you apply to the Pax Ten, or you apply to Magfest, but they all if you don't get in, you're like okay, I understand like. You're applying there and you're understanding there's a kind of expectation or like there's they're appealing to a certain type of gamer. It's like you apply to MagFest and MagFest like, okay, we have a lot of arcade players here. And so they want more jumpy, arcadey, actiony games. Or I apply to Indicate and they want more kind of ones with some sort of artistic merit. Or you apply to PAX and right. PAX 10. It's like, all right. Or Indie Mega Booth, like maybe more commercial, but also kind of like independent developers. But Steam is Steam. Like Steam is everything. Right. So how do you get enough curators to represent every taste? To represent like you would every... just hire the people that have those tastes. Okay, but or I mean, like I mean, like but those... how many people? That's like hundreds of people. Wouldn't from it like be? A, no, because like mean, from think, a business think... perspective, you can see if you own Steam, you can say like this many people buy quirky indie games. So like you don't even have to be like we need to hire the taste maker for that. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty easy to find quality quirky indie games you, you know? can just i mean like the res their resume really could be like any sort of sensible games writing they've done and what their steam library is you know like i mean like it's clear this person consumes this kind of stuff so we'll have them on the team to evaluate that kind of stuff you know um basically like a steam green light that isn't a popularity contest. and you'd only have to pass like 50 percent of them or something um 
I, I think because that way it's not like, you know, your game isn't total shit. So I don't think I don't think Steam is like, oh, we only released the best. Like clearly Steam's well past that. But I think <laughs> I think I think your game should be 50 percent good to be on Steam. But how, but like that's not it's not objective. You, you can't yeah. objectify that. Well, here's the thing is like I think the the 2010s will be marked by, by the Steam how we, we all thought it would be possible to do everything with algorithms and like be like, okay, so like Uber, uh objectively a better experience for a passenger than like a cab. But, you know, there's a lot of problems that come along with Uber. So like same with like uh order up, you know, like order up. It's great, you know, like but it requires people to pay for the food, pay for the charge, and pay a tip. But the problem is, is that you get to just like a bunch of students that are like, well, I can't afford it, but fuck it. And they just don't pay the tip. And so like, there's just like, there's problems with these like one solutions. Like, yeah, I saw that uh, talking specifically about the gig economy. I saw like the second generation gig economy startups is like, all right, they're just going to be full-time employees. Right. Like fuck this contract bullshit. Cause this is like what's fucking people over. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just like the idea that Steam needs to have like this product that does essentially what Steam could do. Like, I don't think that it's that it would be that difficult a task to begin with to to sort through all the games. Also, but if it's as, not as a side note to what Will is saying really quick. Okay. I would be more willing to buy a game if I knew that people had signed up, had played this, signed off on it and said this was good rather right. than a computer just like you know, finding f- finding some correlating da- data and bubbling one up to the top saying you should buy this. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so taking that point, then why is it... So let, let's... This hypothetical that they hire all of these curators, right? Right. Why is it still an issue of just having the low-barred entry and just still having the curators just select them after the fact? Like I we're going we're gonna to let all the games in and then we're just going to sift through and find the best and, and push those up. Because anyone can still submit their game, it would be in that instance. It would be free to submit. Well, no, let's say the hundred dollar barrier is still there. It's still a, ver- a relatively no, low with barrier. that system. You wouldn't need it. No, but I'm saying let's pull out the part where they're selecting games where you're doing okay. the application process, right? And so people were having the Steam Direct hundred dollar fee. People pay the fee, put their games on, and then after the fact, basically doing what they're doing now, but with more manpower. Is that a worse? equal better system than what you're proposing so wait let me make sure i understand it so it works like it does now with steam direct where you pay a hundred dollars right and you get a hundred dollars back after you clear a thousand yeah with the caveat that they're gonna hire a shit ton more curators and just find all the gems and push them up um because i don't believe that they will do that but they wouldn't do that in the other scenario that you're proposing but let's pretend they did i'm saying instead of doing this application process where right. all, everyone applies and they don't get onto the store until they're selected, why don't we just do the oh, selection after well, the fact? Well, because it's missing the cap that I'm talking about. Because like, then the deluge of games would just be too hard to overcome yeah, from because the... You're still, because you're still relying on an algorithm. Because, you know, like, I would say that, I would say that most games on Steam are a- average or above average games. And most games that people buy are average or above average games. Um, perfect games, like Undertale or something, get bot no matter what like where it's like really really insanely good like i think that even if undertale like everyone's like oh you gotta have marketing you gotta have marketing for your like above average game for your perfect game it's fine right um 
so my point my point is that if you if you're just like people are making average or above average games and there's a deluge of them coming out it doesn't really solve any of the problems like yeah we're going to curate all the average or above average games but there's so many of them that it's still just the same amount does that kind of make sense i i i guess um like how can I word this differently? So if we, so if I, was, we, I was stuck on your point where you're saying that like perfect games still don't need arguing uh, marketing, which I, I disagree with. But I mean, they need less. Um, they need and, less, and, and but that's they like, still need some. And, that, and that's like a huge generalization. That's the critical also mass a different, point. Also a different conversation. If, you're, if you but, have thirty games a month, then they wouldn't need marketing anymore because that was what was Steam. That was, was. the original yeah. point. Right. But I just I, I feel like. I don't know. Is there this double standard going on where we're mad at Steam kind of moving closer to itch because itch doesn't have a barrier? Steam's moving closer to Google Play, not itch, I would say. Because of the lack of curation? The, the lack of curation and just the sheer volume and the general, like, like the huge range of content. Like, itch is mostly pretty small games, uh, very indie games, whereas on Steam, we have, like, something really small you know, like Panoramical or like, you know, whatever. Um, and then we've got like near Automata. Pony Island. And yeah, Pony Island, that's a teeny game, you know. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's like the new COD, COD game or the new Assassin's Creed game or whatever. And it's just like these juggernauts also with these small things and everything in between. Um, and it's really poor curation amongst all of that, you know. Uh and also, also Steam has to, pro like, the cool thing about this system that I'm proposing is that Steam, it would force Steam to not prioritize just their whales. Like, they, like, obviously, the new Deus Ex or whatever is going to get a big old, you know. Big banner. Uh, big banner. Um, hey, Deus Ex is out. Go buy it. Um, 500 games weren't competing for that next little spot. Right. Then you would get that. And, like... The thing that the thing is that they're talking about all these other features they're going to add, like oh, curators could have been better implemented, uh, your list could have been better implemented. I think they acknowledged the curator part because they said with this new Steam Direct thing, they're going to give more power to curators or sure. get more curators. Sure. And, no, and and third-party curators they were poorly implemented, but there's also the fact that people simply don't use that shit. People don't use those features. When people go buy an app on their phone, on the App Store, if it'll load, there are these banners up top. Right. People will go that far and stop. There are more, right? But no one ever sees them. Oh, because so, so what Sam is saying is that you have the banner that you can swipe left and right on. They stop like three swipes in, even right. though there's like six items on that list. Right. And so if that's if that's someone's level of effort that they're willing to put into finding content for them themselves to consume, like they're not going to go look at a curator page on Steam. But no, but I, think, know, like, I think their argument was that the curator page is going to help kind of, and they're going to aggregate the curator page and then make the front page kind of an aggregation, partially an aggregation of the curation. Yeah, I mean, I think people are only going to buy whatever they see on the front page only. I, I, I really think people just don't put that much effort into it. Unless, unless, of course, you're like, you know, a games person like we are and like care about going and hunting stuff down and, oh, you saw this on Twitter, you know, a few months back and now it's out, so let me go buy it kind of thing. But... But like the average gamer just like, man, that looks cool. That doesn't look that great. This one looks better. And then they just buy the, the thing that looks good, you know? So that's why, that's why I would like less games to be released on Steam per month. I just don't think that's going to, I mean, obviously we know that's not going to happen. No, but I don't it would even never think, happen. But I don't think that's even, I mean, but look at all the reasons why that wouldn't happen. It's not in Steam's best interest because no. the more games they have on, the more sales they get and the more sales they get, no. they get more revenue as a percentage of those sales. Yep. 
and you know the more the more games they have on the more likely people are well, going to stay on steam i don't know i feel like steam blew up when they had less stuff i mean steam became ubiquitous in the time when like wrecketeer was like one of the only indie games on steam right and now but they don't need to be ubiquitous anymore because they already are right it's you know that's that's the goal of being the the, the market leader that we don't have to do things that itch or Epic's launcher, you play, or or the Windows Store, or the Origin have to do because we do that. I think that if another uh, another uh, marketplace with a model more like that, um, GOG is pretty close, but they also are kind of their service isn't that great, and they have problems with marketing. Um, but I think I think that Steam could be not entirely supplanted, but at least have stiff competition against something that went for. A more, a more curated style of releasing content. Um, so maybe it would be in their best interest to adopt something like that. Maybe, um, but until they see any sort of proof of that, they're gonna right. They're gonna toe the line. No, I mean it's it's totally yeah, it's totally a pipe dream. Like like I I just think that if if you're talking about the situ- the, the the situation that would be best for creators, then that is what I would do is just have Steam hire a ton of curators and release a limited number. It could be a really high number. It could be like 2000 games a month or something like, you know, um, which is, I think like less, still less than what they do now. Right. Isn't it like insane for green light or for games in general, just for games in general. I have no idea. I forget how much they release a month. It's not 2000. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot though, but like 500, that's still a shitload. You know, that's like, that's so many games. Except, and, and, you know, maybe it would be in their best interest, actually. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but maybe mm-hmm. it would be in their best interest, actually, because with the curate, like, you, you, you know that all this stuff is good, so people are more willing to buy it. Like, like. Well, that's essentially like Humble Bundle's model is just being like, right. here's 10 games that you should play. Right. Except we would be doing this with like 500 games every month. Right. I think like 100 games would be a sweet spot. Sure. So let's take it back down to the conversation of the fee. Yeah. And my counter argument, I think the fee, I like where the fee is. And as, as, as someone who has no sort of clout, who has no equity, no social equity anywhere, we have very, very little, a $100 fee is good for me because... That is a low. That that's a low bet. If I pay a hundred dollars to get on the Steam with Peak, and Peak doesn't sell, I haven't lost that much. You know, if I spend two hundred dollars on a piece of Ethereum, and Ethereum tanks and it's worth nothing, I've lost two hundred dollars. If I have to pay five hundred dollars, well, then that's a riskier investment, obviously, because more money. But also, like that's five times the amount. If I have to pay a thousand dollars, it's ten times the amount, and it becomes less an incentive for me to try that or at least until i know the bet is more insured if i if i if i know it's a sure bet if it's a sure thing then i I take the bite maybe first i I release on itch and see how well it sells on itch and then kind of take the revenue from those sales and apply it to a thousand dollar five hundred dollar fee but the thing is is the more money it is the more of a sure but bet it is well, yeah, I mean, the like, developer so, thinks it's a sure bet, right? Well, no, I think I think what Will's saying is, if it was a thousand dollars, 
would you get would you make the game a thousand dollars submission cost good or would you make it a hundred dollars submission cost but that's a subjective opinion on quality and sure, that's but, like the, the 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 greatest quandary of, of people is that people always think their creation is worth. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about what it's worth. Dollars. I'm talking about would you put more effort into the game and make the game better because you think it's be, be, because yeah, to, to, to make, to make the bet worth it more. Right. Well, that's the whole point is that you get better games by upping the price. But by upping the price, you incentivize people to not make their games. Like so, there might be there might be the next I don't know indie darling out there, and he he's scraping by, not making any money, but he can pull together a hundred dollars, and he's you know spending his nights working on a game and put it on Steam, and it'll explode, and he'll make all this money. But if it's a thousand dollars, maybe less so. Maybe he gives well, the up problem on the dream. is this: if it was like ten dollars, it was ten dollars. That's like all right. Why are you even charging for it at that point? Right. right. But like I don't know. I feel like it's just. I feel like it's just a way for them to get more money <laughs> like out of developers. That's that's my paranoid really reasoning like that is that they're but the this fee is a specifically product. or yeah. trying to get more games but they, on there. But I mean, okay. That's why so, they've marketed this fee. Like So uh, it says mm, something about how many games make a thousand dollars. Yeah. Which is fucked up. Yeah. Like it, like they're betting on most games not making a thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about the the other Re- thing, Recoupable. Yeah, yeah, because you get it back. Yeah. So to clarify, when you you pay a hundred dollars, yeah. and then once you clear a thousand, you get your hundred dollars back. Yeah. And which I, which I means wanna, I don't want to be a part of a service that treats me like that. Well, right. what does and, that? And everyone assumed before that you would just get Steam's cut until you've made a, your hundred dollars back, and then, which is not the case, right? So the case is they take their cut from the from the beginning. Just when you hit a thousand, you get a hundred. Yeah. You, you get, know, as far as I understand, you pay out of your pocket. Games made no money yet. No one's seen it yet. You pay a hundred dollars. Right. And then you on first purchase, what happens? On I'm, first purchase, you make you make the you 70. make you make seventy percent. Okay. Um, and then that goes until you get up to a thousand dollars, and then you get your hundred dollars refunded. So with that with that purchase that comes to the that puts it past a thousand. The thousand dollars is that your seventy percent, or is that the the MSRP that's adding to that total? I'm pretty sure it's the MSRP. Okay. Yeah. Um. But it wouldn't surprise me. If it was- <laughs> but it's still. I mean, it's still. It, I mean, it, all all that changes is that like Steam's betting on getting not getting three hundred dollars from you. I don't. I like, just. I don't think you know. Steam's going to like hundred dollars to Steam is pennies. I don't think they're going to fight over over a hundred dollar fees. Right, but I mean, how many how many games are making it into Steam Greenlight every month? No, I think it's at least like a hundred. I think maybe I don't know. It's um, in the realm Steam, of like Steam fifty to hundred. Some data on it. I'll see if I can. So, like, if it's a hundred, then that's just ten grand in their pocket because oh, okay. it's already a hundred yeah. bucks okay. to get yeah. onto Greenlight. Yeah, and so like, yeah, you'll get rid of the three or four people. That are like abusing Greenlight and getting fifty thousand games on Steam, but like you're still gonna get like hundreds of people, and like that's what bugs me about Unity is like there's so many people that are paying that twenty five dollars a month, who are just like this will make my game good, and then they don't make the money for on their game and they've just been spending money giving it to Unity. 
Yeah, but that's that's any business though. Like any you know any restaurateur is gonna like we need to buy all these plates and all these new appliances, and then they don't make any money and they close down in two months. Right, but that's why restaurants suck. <laughs> like I mean, like no, I mean, yeah, they suck because they're a two percent survival rate in the first like two years. Right. So I mean, like it's nothing about like the quality of food. Yeah, but that so the argument you're making there is that. Like, why would we base it based on, like, these weird physical businesses? That- but that's how business works, Will, is that, like, you can't just say that the quality of the game, if the quality of the game were the only thing that determined whether or not a game succeeded or failed, like, we'd be living in a perfect w- world. Like, it's- Right. And so why not just do that? <laughs> but you can't just do that because how, like, how do you create a system that works like that? You just say, okay, we're just going to let this many games in. You should apply. And then you send know. your game in, and then one of three dudes plays it. And then oh, he, three dudes? Yeah, yeah. What if, what if all those three dudes hate Infinite Runner or puzzle games? Well, I mean, if Steam's, if, if Valve is intelligent at all, which we can talk about, <laughs> they could uh, they could have the the three people understand that like this this is you have to be aware of cultural trends, like I mean like, but then that's not that's, then that's not an indication of quality either because that's an indication of uh, where tastes are. I'm looking at Steam Spy and it says 374 games were released in May on Steam and it, there's no way it's that low. All of them? Yeah. Like all games? I mean, it says it says. Or specifically, it says Steam, like that's what it says on Steam Spy. Hmm. Um, I don't so yeah, I mean, it's real. Like, right. There's no way. It says only 13 have released in June, and we know there's way more than 13 games that have come out on Steam this month. I don't know. Well, I mean, he says there's there's flaws with his data, like the way like, he I mean, data. it's June 3rd. There's got to be more than 13 games that have come out on Steam in the past. I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it depends on when. It depends on when they do the green light releases. Like, do green? Is it day one of the month? First day of the month, do they release the green light games? Well, do you know? Uh, or do no I mean idea. announce the green light? No, I don't think so. All right, new thought experiment. All right, let's say Steam Direct exists the same as it does now, but the price is different. What's the maximum you would pay? You, Sam Lotion, would pay to get Silent Earth on Steam. Ignoring the fact that it's, it's a mobile first game, but let's just say you want to put Silent Earth on Steam. I paid two thousand dollars. Two thousand, will uh, for zero. Rich, for <laughs> zero. Yeah. So you you wouldn't want to put your game on Steam. I mean, I saying? would if it was zero. Okay. All right. <laughs> also, that's just just for context, right? I don't make that much money. I make like sure, yeah, like thirty k a year. Uh-huh. I would I would pay, you know, two thousand dollars out of that thirty k to to put whoops to put my game on Steam. Like I think it's wor- I think it's worth a lot, and that having a high barrier of entry is like a good thing. Okay. I think I would pay at most three or four hundred dollars for my for peak. Right. Maybe for a different game. That was maybe my second or third game after I had like saw some success. It'd be like, all right, I'll pay I'll pay fifteen hundred, I'll pay two thousand dollars. Right. But for people that have like no no bearing on like where they stand as like a developer outside of like hey maybe i've gone to a couple shows i showed my game around people seem to like it you know maybe i get a couple downloads on itch or something i don't know man like i think this this price is super beneficial maybe like it's gonna send a bunch of it's gonna be a deluge of shit and to steam but like at least people can 
put their shit on Steam and have this super bad idea of like what the quality of their game is and find out sooner rather than later. They're like, oh, maybe maybe this wasn't a very good game and be like, all right, well, maybe I'm done making games or maybe I'm going to start making a better game than being like, I think my game is the greatest. I'm going to spend $2,000 and oh, this game is actually just some Flappy Bird clone. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. I could, I could see that burning someone who has a very burgeoning interest in making games and that could later on in life like lead to him I think it's him or her being a great game that game developer I think it's really sad that not having your game get on steam and having it do well should be a deterrent to making games that's stupid all right that's that, like that, that's a that's a different argument and I, I can recognize like that's true like you're right but like just make them because you enjoy it and if it can't get on steam put it on itch and people will consume it I, I, I don't I, I don't know like that's really sad that a company has been able to set the bar like, hey, you're not a good game developer if, you know, your game didn't do well on our huge, 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 huge platform. You know, like that doesn't that feel shitty to you? Like, sure. But I think you guys have like a, a, a defaulted negative opinion on Steam. Like, I think Steam has some shitty practices. Yeah. I think, they, you know, they could be way better than they are. But I would like to believe and maybe this is just idealism, stupid misplaced idealism that, you know, they're not out to just get people. They are well, they're out, out to get money. They're out to get money, but they're not going to. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like they're not. What if. OK, so what if you paid one hundred dollars and in the first month, if your game hasn't made a thousand dollars, you get the money back in your games just off steam? Sure. Like, why not that? Because because that's not how games sell, I think. Like game games games only sell like like the the most copies you'll ever sell is like day one or two. Well, same thing. Like, what if you pay Steam a hundred bucks, your game releases. If it doesn't make a thousand bucks in date by day three, it's just off of Steam and you get your hundred bucks back. That's totally fair. I would yeah, see, like, totally do. I that. would totally be into that. Yeah, but the but thing they won't is, do it because they're betting on you not not getting. Right, a thousand dollars. Yeah, and the thing is, is when you make a thousand dollars on Steam, Steam's already made three hundred dollars, so they're just giving you a hundred back from that. Like, right? That's what gets me. Is it just feels like it's it's a product that Steam is selling to game developers, where they're just saying like, you can be on Steam, and it's like, well, what's the value of being on Steam? Nothing. Right. I mean, not actually nothing. It's really well, I mean, valuable. It's, but... it's contingent on a lot of other things. Right. And so, like, that's what gets me about it. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that, like, so many people, myself included, are going to publishers to say, help me make people right. buy my game. Yeah. So that it does well on this platform that's supposed to help it do well. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think... I don't think my bitterness is like totally unwarranted. No, you know? I don't. Like, I don't think anyone's like, bitterness is unwarranted. I just think I, despite all the shitty practices that Steam does have, and they do have yeah. shitty practices, I think this Steam Direct is a net positive for small developers. It for yeah. developers. Let's say for developers, like not from the perspective of consumers of like oh god there's so many things on steam not from the situation of like uh steam itself or or curators it's like right. all right steam the platform is just super fucked that there's so many uh games that we just don't know what the fuck to do 
but from a developer say, hey, I can finally put my game. Because for some people, like, you know, for some writers, they just want their name in print. You right. know what? You know, it doesn't, have, doesn't matter if it's some shitty literary rag or something. Second they see their name published, they're like, I feel vindicated. I feel validated. Right. right. So where does that validation go when you can just pay a hundred bucks? <laughs> yeah. Like nobody, nobody, like at least with Greenlight, a bunch of people said, yeah, we'd buy this, you know, but now it's just like, well, it's there. Well, my, problem with Steve, my problem with Greenlight is that you had to do the popularity contest twice. All right. It's hard enough to do the popularity contest of like buy my game, but you had to do the popularity contest of vote for my game so it can be bought and then right. buy my game. At least here, because... The barrier to entry onto a platform shouldn't be the the yay or nay of now my game is justifiably a game. It should be, all right, I'm going to put it on this platform. You know, it's a dumb pipe. It's a, just a fucking yeah. application. Let me just put it on here and see if people will buy it. Right. No, I agree with you. I just think it's sad that people think like for, for many people, Steam, which is their company that makes money off of them. Like, let's be totally clear, right? Is their validation like that's sad. And that's not, that's not, I'm not saying you're that person. I'm not saying anyone else in particular is that person. I mean, I I'm felt saying, validation getting onto Steam and I still feel good about being on Steam. It's just like when it, when the, when, when the conversation goes to money immediately, I'm just like, well, I mean, Valve, what, what have, what are they doing? What are they doing for me? Like what, like why would I pay them a hundred dollars? What are they going to do for me? Let me be on their thing. Like, What's the value of that? Is it a hundred dollars? Like, you could make a hundred dollars on it, but I mean, it's just—I don't know. If nothing else, putting your game on Steam is a great experiment because then you have access to Steam's data. You have access to how many people are viewing your game out of the entire Steam user base. You it's have, depressing. I'm—I I'm, bet yeah. it is, but at least you know. Because yeah. then having that knowledge, you know, That's my, true. my itch numbers are super depressing, but right. at least I know, you yeah. know, I have all of this data. I'm tracking, I'm tracking Twitter followers. I'm tracking podcast subscribers. I'm tracking users that come to my site every day. I'm tracking people that both view my game on itch and download my game on itch. So, and I use all of that to say, all right, on this event, did this have any sort of, was there any sort of inflection point here? No. How about this here? So you're, it's, it's, right. you're firing bullets. Well, it, can I can I bring this back around to the Bogost article sure. really quick? Okay, so maybe a problem with games in general is that we're artistic validation is Steam stats. Sure, for the most like, part, like some sort if of we're talking about holder. making more meaningful games, and we we want to talk about making games that have like real artistic merit and and value to them, you know. Uh, maybe the validation should be the artistic merit and validation of the game rather than just, you know, your Twitter followers or your, your Steam stats, you know? Like, I mean... Yeah, but it's commercial art. So, I mean, that's that's always going to play a, a role. It will always play a part, but I just think that's like... And I'm not saying this is how you make money as a developer. I'm not saying this is how you become successful or indie famous or any of this other stuff because I certainly don't know how to do those things. But maybe part of making a good game is separating from that a little bit yeah 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 you know and, I, and the, so i feel like the, so you have to walk this line between commercialism and art right so and and each each creative choice each choice you make is either on the choice of commercialism or art right yeah so there's really there's this example in my head that always always holds kind of close that when they were di designing the the box art for for 
Bioshock Infinite. It have you you do you remember the box art? It's just fucking what's his the Booker? It's just Booker with a shotgun, just on sh- like holding sl- Elizabeth's hand or something. No, he's just standing there with a shotgun slung over his shoulder. His back oh, face, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He just like looks dark and, and and grizzled, and someone I think someone asked Ken Levine in passing. It was like why so. Why don't you have like a handyman on there? Why don't you have the 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 bird uh, on there or any of these other things that are kind of iconic? You know, the Bioshock cover is kind of iconic as the big daddy with the little sister. And his answer was, well, it helped having a male lead character like the protagonist on the box helps lead to more sales. Because if you're in GameStop, you see it. You put it there. And I have a lot of problems with game box art in general. Yeah. But I feel like that was a choice. That was the wrong choice in that scenario. And the choice of commercialism versus art, you should have chose art. And I mean, that that choice wasn't entirely Ken Levine's. It was up to 2K or, uh, or yeah. take two. But just because you make some commercial, and I mean, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here, but just because you make some commercialistic choices mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the art in your... No, totally. And you're not making art in a vacuum either, right? So it's it, it's a it's a, it's a a balancing act and you have to, you have to figure it out. Um, but... I just, I don't know. I mean, if you're a musician and you want to play a gig, if the venue's like, well, give us 50 bucks, and if you make 300 bucks, we'll give it back. Like, it's just like, wow. Like, I'm the creator here. Like, yeah. I'm the one that is give, getting you money to begin with. Like, that's the deal. Right. And so, like, at that point, it's really just like, the venue owner's choice to say like we don't like your band or we don't think your band would do well here right or yeah come play and we'll give you your band's been banned yeah <laughs> and with the, with the band analogy you know if you look at like any famous venue like uh like no one can go play red rocks just because they wanted to right right like like you you know um CBGBs would only get like the people that they thought were really good and that the you know the 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 person doing the booking really wanted to come play the venue. It wasn't just anyone, right? Right. But they weren't charging those people to come play the venue either. So why not just curate it? Yeah. That's and I mean there's plenty of problems in the music industry, but right. plenty of problems in any commercial art industry right now and then we're all fucked and everything's doomed and yeah. And we left the Paris Climate Accord and we're all fucked. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> uh, the Sam, where can people find you? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Sam Lotion. That's S A M L O E S C H E N. And uh, remote games. Oh yeah, remote games. Uh, remote games dot co. Um, dot co or at remote games co on Twitter. Cool. Yeah, William. Uh, people will be able to find me in a few months. I'll have uh, I'll I'll have raised a hundred dollars to put my shittiest game on steam they can just look for that uh it's gonna be a thousand dollars yeah can, yeah can you have profanity in a title will, will steam block that can we just have a game called the shittiest game on steam <laughs> oh my god we should do that <laughs> let's, yeah, do let's that. make the shittiest game on steam pay a hundred dollars for it and it's just like an asset flip yeah <laughs> like oh it's my also a thousand dollars like that's the price yeah no, no, it'd be like that that app. You remember the rich that, app? that app? Yeah, yeah, the rich app. <laughs> yeah. Was it like a million dollars or something? Yeah. Or something ridiculous? Yep. Where can I really find you? Uh zero one zero one zero one one one. Just type that in. Yeah. Just any any Anywhere. interface. And you're, <laughs> and looking for, you're looking for a black and white fat egg boy. 
<laughs> and that's it. <laughs> the beard. The sweet ass beard. Yeah. All right. And you can find Ward Game and all the Ward Games, games, games at ward games dot games ward games dot com slash games slash games uh at ward video games on twitter and uh and then i'm at dylan Ovento on twitter and i'll leave you to figure out how that's spelled um samuel thank you yeah man do you guys get fun. do you guys get bothered when i use your full names does that bother you no no, no. Okay. a lot of people call me samuel yeah. okay um william though that's a yeah i heard william in a minute well does that bother you Did you call me billiam billiam can I call you billiards? <laughs> Billy boy. Billiards B. Billiam, bi- billions, billiards. <laughs> it's the sequel to Bruce's billions. <laughs> no, I don't care. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Sam, glad having you back. Yeah, man, uh, good to be here. You, you missed the talk about having your Ludum Dare game on, on Waypoint. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. That was the best. That was awesome. Talk about validation as an artist. Awesome, awesome games. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, uh, for Monolith, yeah, check it out. Ooh. Oh yeah, we're we're also probably we got to get Sam back here next time to talk about Denuvo. Oh yeah, we didn't get into Denuvo. Oh yeah, because I have today. I have piracy opinions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> God, this is this pirate the pirate crew this motley crew I've <laughs> assembled. Uh, and Will, thank you, thank you for coming. Always. Bye, boys. Peace. Bye, boy. <laughs>